the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, Congressman Hill will be with us in a few moments. We'll be talking to him. Jimmy Cavan is here with the, with me, Dave Ellswick, and uh, you know, I I guess we should we wish we should start off with the most important thing of today, and it's not my birthday, although it is my birthday today. I'm seventy years old. Well, that was see, you stole my thunder because I was going to take over real quick and say, let me be the first on air before everybody else does to wish Dave a happy birthday. That Dave is seventy years old today. Yeah, little, little, little bit for wear, but I look better than Diane Feinstein. A little for wear, but you're still kicking ass, right? <laughs> I look better than Feinstein. Yeah, oh God, way better. But than she's her. ninety-two. Do yeah. you realize that she's ninety-two? Yeah, I, I don't want to sound ugly, so I won't say anything. Okay. <laughs> But today is another special day, and I told you for the last several weeks. Today, pitchers and catchers report spring training is here. Yes, I'm ready. Baseball, I, let's get with it, you D- know? Dave met me at the door this morning with his Cubs jacket. That's and right. And I'm, you know, I'm going to get a picture of Dave in his Cubs jacket before I leave and post it because, I mean, J- Dave is like a kid at Christmas right now. I he love baseball, up. buddy. I love baseball. And with that... Congressman Hill will give up a few moments today. Let's start off with a classic piece of comedy today. We've got to start off with a classic piece of comedy. I asked Aaron to pull this together so we'd be ready to go today. Uh, Congressman Hill, listen in. Today is the first day. Pitchers and catchers reporting for baseball, so we've got to play this. <laughs> You keep quiet. Sebastian! Excuse me, please. Sebastian, please. Don't interrupt my act. Sebastian! Well, Mr. Blotus, I, I didn't see the lights now. I forgot about it. What in the world are you doing? Right. I mean, why interrupt my act like this? Well, look, Mr. Blotus, I, I mean, after all, if you're in a ballpark, they always sell peanuts and popcorns and things like that. I know that, Sebastian, but not in front of... I, I beg, I beg your pardon, friend. Ladies and please. gentlemen, and also the children, will you excuse me for a minute, please? Thank you. What do you want to do? Look, Mr. Blotus... Right. What are you doing? I love baseball. Well, we all love baseball. When we get to St. Louis, will you tell me the guys' names on the team so I go to see them in that St. Louis ballpark? I'll be able to know those fellas. Well, now, it's all right, folks. All right. Excuse me. I'm all right. I want to find out the fellas' names. As long as it's okay I'm, with I'm the audience. I'm crazy about baseball. Uh, now, will you stand still? Pick up your hat. Go pick up your hat. Okay. Now, look. Then you'll go and peddle your popcorn and don't interrupt the act anymore? Yes, sir. All right. But you know, strange may seem they give ball players nowadays very peculiar names. Funny names? Nicknames, pet names. Not as funny as my name, Sebastian Dinwiddie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Funny it didn't Oh, absolutely. Yes. Now, on the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellas' name on first base. Who? 
The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? Well, what are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you who is on first. I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who is on first? Have you got a first baseman on first? Certainly. Then who's playing first? Absolutely. When you pay off the first base for every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. Why not? The man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Why shouldn't he? Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Who's wife? Yes. <laughs> After all, the man earns it. Who does? Absolutely. Well, all I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? Oh, no, no. What is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? That's what I'm trying to find out. Well, don't change the players. I'm not changing nobody. Take it easy. What's the guy's name on first base? What's the guy's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking about him. How did I get on third base? You mentioned his name. If I mention a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? Stay off of first, will you? Well, what do you want me to do? Now, what's the guy's name on third base? Well, what's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. Well, I can't change their names. Will you please stay on third base, Mr. Broadhurst? Please. Now, what is it you want to know? What is the fella's name on third base? What is the fella's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. You got an outfield? Oh, sure. St. Louis has got a oh, good outfield? Absolutely. The left fielder's name. Why? I don't know. I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Then tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing first? Stay out of the infield. Don't mention any names out here. I want to know what's the fellow's name in left field. What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. base. Take it easy, man. And the left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. He's center. Will you pick up your hat, please? Pick up your hat and oh. stop this. Oh, look, Mr. please. Mr. Broadhurst. Yes. Wait a minute. You got a pitcher on a team? Wouldn't this be a fine team without a pitcher? I don't know. Tell me the pitcher's name. Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you, man. Then go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow you're going to tell me who's pitching? Now, listen. Who is not pitching? Who is on? I'll break your arm. You say who's on first? Why come up here and ask? I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. You got a catcher? Yes. The catcher's name. Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitching. Now you've got it. That's all. St. Louis has got a couple of days on the team. Well, I can't help that. All right. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Got a catcher? Yes. I'm a good catcher too, you know. I know that. I would like to play for the St. Louis team. Well, I might arrange that. I, I would like to catch. Now, I'm being a good catcher. Tomorrow's pitching on the team, and I'm catching. Yes. Tomorrow throws the ball, and the guy up bunts the ball. Yes. Now, when he bunts the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out at first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Well, that's all you have to do. Is to throw it to first base. Yes. Now, who's got it? Naturally. Who has it? Naturally. 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 Okay. Now you've got it. I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. I know you he don't. You throw the ball to first base. Then who gets it? Naturally. Okay. All right. I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Naturally. Well, that's it. Say it that way. That's what I said. You did not. I said I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Naturally. Yes. 
So I throw the ball to first base and naturally gets no, it. No, you throw the ball to first base. Then who gets naturally. it? Naturally. That's what I'm saying. You're not saying that. Excuse me, folks. All right, I'm sorry, Frank. I throw the ball to naturally. You throw it to who? Naturally. Naturally, we'll say it that way. That's what I'm saying. Don't get excited. Now, don't get I excited. I throw the ball to first base. Then who gets it? He better get it. All right, now, don't get excited. Take it easy. Hmm. <laughs> Now, I throw the ball at first base, whoever it is drops the ball, so the guy runs to second. Mm -hmm. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to, I don't know. I don't know, throws it back to tomorrow. A triple play. Yeah, it could be. Another guy gets up, and it's a long fly ball to be caused. Why? I don't know. He's on third, and I don't care. Over there? I said, I don't care. Oh, that's a shortstop. All right. Abbott and Costello getting to start it there, Congressman, today. Pitchers and catchers heading out for spring training. Fantastic. Great tradition. And it reminded me of a Biden national security briefing. <laughs> hey, now, now that's funny. I'm, that's funny. I'm making sure. I told, I told Jimmy today, Jimmy Cavett here in the studio with me as well, that I would make sure that I did not misstate and call them ufos they are uaps oh god Un yeah. unidentified aerial phenomena they say use that don't use ufos hey co hey congressman it's jimmy how you doing this morning hey jimmy good brother can you unless it's classified could you explain why we can't call them ufos it's not classified because you just heard it. Abbott and Costello right there talking. <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, I really can't explain that other than they don't want the semantic PR of saying the word UFO. They already got in trouble with that when uh, in his press briefing, uh, uh, Northcom. <laughs> General, who I think has tried to do a really good job under these circumstances, uh, told the reporters he's not ruling out anything, including extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, yeah. You know, it's just crazy. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Excuse me. Well, the, I think the, the bottom line on all this topic is the United States has an obligation to defend our airspace. Our airspace goes up to 60,000 feet. We have to monitor all the airspace below 40,000 feet, 45,000 feet, for all the air traffic where the, you know, millions. I think one day I read uh, years ago like 50 million people are in the air on a typical business day over the United States. So this is a congested space. And um, so I really still don't think the administration's given any adequacy whatsoever of once they got a radar signal over the Aleutian Islands on this balloon, uh, why they didn't do anything about it there or uh, Canada, where it looped up over into the Yukon a long, several days, two days, I guess, technically, before it crossed over into Montana. So there, no matter how many briefings I've been in, I would just simply start there that they didn't have any adequacy of an explanation of that whatsoever. Uh, and uh, I do agree that they've changed their monitoring speed on radar, so now they're picking up, you know, uh, much slower-moving objects. And balloons, of course, move with the speed of the Gulf of the uh, of the air, the right. stream. So uh, you are going to see other things. But look, these 
the ones they shot down had no transponder, no lights, no, you know, uh, they were so small, they're not sure what kind of, they didn't see any kind of markings or anything. So, and no one's claimed uh, like, oh, hey, that was mine. <laughs> I'm missing it. So uh, we won't know till we recover these, the wreckage in Yukon and uh, up at Lake Huron before we know what we're dealing with. Now, some of these balloons could have, like, Steve Landers' autos on the side of them, right? <laughs> yeah, well, in theory, yeah. In theory, Steve Landers, and I still don't think he would have won the election, but, I mean, in theory, yeah. I think uh, they, they could be a commercial or uh, nonprofit or academic uh, research device, uh, but we don't really know. I mean, uh, and we won't know, as I say, till we get the records. These were very small, the size of a car or less. One they described as the size of an ATV. Um, and when you're, no matter how slow you slow down your F-22 or F-16 and pass around a device, I mean, you're still confronted with something moving it. 10 or 15 knots, and you're going at 500 miles an hour. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a uh, we'll just have to, I think the records will tell us what we need to know. But again, let's go back to basic, basic principles. And that's defending the airspace of the, of the U.S. and having a strategy to do that. Uh, and that's why I don't think anybody has gotten any explanation that's remotely plausible about the Chinese surveillance airship drifting across the u.s period yeah well let's let's touch on one last thing that i gotta get my break in and that is they evidently watched this uh weather balloon from the moment it left china when they launched it is that right i don't think we know uh, all the details oh you're talking about uh united states yes yeah uh I don't know the answer to that. Uh, the public dissemination has been that they picked up a radar signal of it uh, okay. in uh, in the Aleutian Islands was their first, uh, and it was reported, I think, uh, just by normal air patrol, and then it was then they determined a radar signal for it. Yeah, I d- somebody said that that was reported to you guys in the briefing, but they may have been talking out of turn. So I understand how you're answering i i i I respect that there's some things that you can't say those are classified briefings and i understand that all right let's take a break when we come back the president has a has another idea (laughs) another it it, it happened to him in the middle of, of the night when he got up to drink his warm milk to go back to sleep and now he wants to use medicaid uh medicaid dollars to feed people. We'll talk about that when we come back here with, uh, of course, Congressman Hill on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Congressman Hill is with us. This is the way the left expands government. They change the semantics of words and uh, of of, uh, policies so that they can spend more money and take more money out of your pocket. For instance... The President of the United States has taken something that has been said now for the last maybe five to ten years. And you've heard this. You've seen it before. And that is, food is medicine. I've heard that. You've probably heard that. Well, the President has taken that to mean that 
then if that's the case, then what we can do is take Medicaid, which is to keep people healthy, and include food to be able to be bought with Medicaid. What do you think, Congressman? Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I just hear you. I hear the sigh in your voice when I. Yeah, I mean, we've been friends for a decade, and I, when you hear the sigh, you just know I, I do. My brain is exploding. And <laughs> look, Medicaid is desperately uh, always under stress to provide low-income people the absolute medically required. Uh, access, uh, you know, and we're just confusing programs, but this is what the Biden administration has done. And you're right about expanding government, because when you say, well, we're going to now let states take their federal Medicaid dollars and spend it on, you know, let's say just actually food. You can go buy groceries with it. Hot dogs, right? That's healthy. I mean, on top of the fact of SNAP benefits and other uh, family support programs that already exist out there. Um, you're also increasing the discretionary budget because that will move another bunch of money to mandatory spending and allow Democrats to expand discretionary spending somewhere else. I mean, this is what they did during the pandemic. It's why we're projecting $1.5 trillion of deficits uh, for the next 10 years under the Joe Biden old budget. He's getting ready to send us on March 9th a new budget, and I think you'll see those deficits expand due to interest expense, obviously, his student loan giveaway, and just continuing uh, these massive spending programs that he's greenlighted. So I don't think the proposal's a good idea. I understand their point, of course, uh, but it's not the right use of Medicaid Dollars and there's no way to set definitions or put any kind of governance on that uh, is, is in the right way. Uh, we have school lunch programs. We have uh, SNAP supplemental food programs. And if you know if somebody uh, had to have a very very specific uh, diet due to a doctor's prescription, obviously that would be covered under under Medicaid. Well, bottom line is, don't ask, don't tell. They're not explaining it. You know, it's another one of those just going to be an AVP for all of us to try to figure out what the administration is trying to, to explain to us, isn't it? Absolutely. And this is – but this is why our spending is just out of control. And and it's frustrating because, obviously, they spend this and, you know, uh, pull on people's heartstrings. And part of governance is uh, – maintaining individual responsibility you know uh, and and there is some sense of sacrifice in our society every day of what we do we sacrifice for our kids we sacrifice to save money for the future and these are all obligations and government has obligations too and just spending like there is no price to pay which is what nancy pelosi's house did for four years uh, is no way to run the government that's why we're trying to get back to pre-pandemic fights about spending now I, oh go ahead no i'm sorry congressman would you would you say this is smoke and mirrors just to expand more more funding to just spread sure. money the yeah. way they want to yeah it's got those two effects jimmy one is you say well this is needed and therefore we want to increase the medicaid budget to cover this because the states will say hey we don't have enough money in medicaid now to do what we're doing you asked us to expand medicaid to populations and then you had the federal courts strike down any work requirements. 
this is the crazy thing. I mean, yeah. Mesa tried to work requirements. You guys all know that. Yep. And it was struck down by the courts. And uh, work requirements have been a, uh, a basic tenet of these kind of programs, particularly since the 90s, instead of just them having no obligation whatsoever. You just get it. You can just take uh, your housing money, your food money, and your uh, medical care money and not participate in any way in the workforce. That's uh, not... Uh, I'll say it by votes. It's just buying votes. Yeah, and so it is two. It's it is both because you're going to say we don't have the money to do that, and so we need to increase federal spending. So the answer to your question is yes on that, but I also will tell you that goes into the mandatory spending budget, and they pull out, uh, let's say they'll pull out some food assistance from the discretionary budget. They'll spend it in some other way. So it's a shell game on top of a way to leverage to get more federal spending. All right, Congressman, have a great day. We'll let you show. 101.1 FM, the answer. All right, let's go back to Washington. We've got our other congressman from District 4 waiting to talk to us. That, of course, is uh, Mr. Westerman. Mr. Westerman, how are you today? By the way, I got are you coming back when they sign the uh, education bill here with uh, Gov- for Governor Sanders since you started this whole conversation? I mean, what's going on before you... Uh, we're here in in the state legislature, uh, legislature, Bruce. But you were the first person ever came on my show and said the money should follow the students. So, are you going to are you coming back for that if you can? Well, good morning, Mr. Elswick. It's always good to, <laughs> to talk to you. I don't, I don't. They may not let me back. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I am. I'm actually in Arkansas today. So oh, cool! It's uh, it's good good to be here. Um, always good to get out of washington dc and get back to the natural state i've uh, uh spent the first day of the week down in west texas and new mexico we had a field hearing on u.s energy security and domestic production that was that was quite eye-opening you know we couldn't get a single democrat to come to that hearing oh really yeah even though uh two members of my committee are from new mexico uh but uh, for some reason, they're trying to de- destroy U.S. oil and gas production in the in New Mexico, which is the second largest producing state in the country. And a statistic I brought away from there was that last year, oil and gas uh, taxes provided $10.8 billion to the New Mexico State Treasury. So if you put that in perspective, that's a state of 2.1 million people that had uh, more tax revenue from oil and gas than the state of Arkansas collected, which is obviously over 3 million people uh, off of all their income and sales tax. So it's a huge economic driver there, and the the Democrats are literally trying to kill the goose that lays the golden egg. Yeah, and then you got the president saying, you know, we're going to need oil for the foreseeable future, but... uh of course, that's not American oil. It's oil from everywhere else but America, correct? Well, I think he said well, we're going to need it for another 10 years, which there was a uh, a big collective laugh out loud from the uh, Republican <laughs> side of You should have heard the laugh at my house. Up yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, even the, the most ardent uh, climate critics will tell you that if you look at the energy... Uh, consumption, especially globally, that 
at least 50 years, and we're probably looking at 100 or more years where you're going to have to have oil and gas and even coal. So instead of attacking what makes our economy strong, we should be out there figuring out how to make it um, cleaner and, and more reliable and more affordable. And that's what the, the people who are out in the real world producing this stuff are trying to do every single day, uh, despite the attacks from Washington. Let me ask you a question. I haven't asked you or uh, um, Congressman Hill about this, but there was a story that was floating around a couple of weeks ago that uh, President Biden and uh, he had ordered uh, members of our military to blow up that pipeline over in uh, uh, with Russia. Is that a true story or is that just somebody that flashed a story for clickbait and there's no truth to it? You know, Dave, I I saw that same headline, but I, I've not really heard anything about it, um, whether it's actually true or not. I haven't had any kind of a, a briefing on that, so I don't know. That could be fake news, and it, it could be true. I can't confirm or, or deny that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is either, and, you know, we can neither confirm nor deny it from my, my end either. I'm going to have to dig into that and see who's reporting it because it was like it was a blip and it was gone it was kind of like it was some kind of unidentified aerial phenomena or something yeah um, <laughs> you, you never you know say you UFO. Know be. <laughs> yeah it's uh that's that's something else of course i know you you talked to uh french hill before you you visited with me and he's right. now on the intelligence committee um which I haven't talked to him personally about it, but I assume he's been getting all the intelligence briefings. And I went down and got some intelligence briefings on that last week. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot I can't confirm or deny about I got Chinese you. balloons right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you that when I was in the military, when somebody said military intelligence, we always said that was an oxymoron. <laughs> 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 hey, hey, Congressman, this is Jimmy. Can can I back up just a second and go back to fossil fuels, if that's okay? Because I think yeah. there's something that, that that people need to understand, especially people that want to flip the switch from fossil fuels to electricity and everything just all of a sudden. Can you explain to those people just how devastating – that would actually be to food costs when you try to flip that switch and enforce that on on agriculture. Yeah, well, we've already seen that to some extent right now, Jimmy, and it's the the attack on domestic energy production and shortages of of natural gl- gas globally, which goes natural gas is the main ingredient, almost the only ingredient into uh, commercial fertilizers. So when you have uh, uh, supply constraints on that and the price goes up, the price of fertilizer goes up uh, linearly with, the, or actually it goes up at a higher rate than the price of gas, which means your price of food on every every single kind of food, the price goes up because fertilizer is what grows the crops that we either consume those crops or they go into animal feed or into some other processing. So that is like the basic input to agriculture is fertilizer, which comes from 
natural gas, and we're seeing the effects of that in the grocery store uh, today. And, you know, the the Biden administration keeps trying to spin it that inflation is going down. And I say, you know, believe with your eyes, go uh, go to the grocery store or, or drive through a fast food place and, uh, you know, buy some food and see if you think inflation is going down right now. Ask a mom with three kids, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we think of the of energy, fossil fuels, importance in transportation, the importance in, in heating and cooling and powering factories, but it's also a direct input into agriculture. So every aspect of our life is affected by what happens in the energy sector. And that's why uh, Republicans have put forth our commitment to America and energy independence and domestic production of energy are so crucial to what we've laid out in our commitment to America. So just the other day, I guess yesterday, in fact, uh, Dr. Anthony was asked by uh, you folks about would they please come forth and uh, we could talk about the origin of covid uh, is the administration showing? Are they still as hesitant as they've been to ex, to explore where COVID came from? That's what it appears like to me. You know, we're uh, uh, the, the benefit of being in Washington D.C. is we uh, when I go to the gym in the morning, my locker's right next to Jim Jordan, so I can get all the update on. Uh, oh, that's cool. The the, the gym's working on. And uh, I, I know one thing about Jim Jordan. He is, he is like a, a bulldog. He will not stop until he gets the answers on these questions. So I'm pretty sure the, the, the folks who were least excited to see Jim Jordan chair the Judiciary Committee were the bureaucrats in the administration that uh, have been hiding stuff from the American public. Yeah, I, there's, there's just so many unanswered questions about that even msnbc yesterday or i take that back cnbc said uh with the associated press many scientists including fauci who until december served as biden's chief medical advisor say they still believe the virus most likely emerged in nature and jumped from animals to humans a well-documented phenomenon known as a spillover event virus researchers have not publicly identified any key new scientific evidence that might make the leak, uh, the lab leak hypothesis more likely. That, according to the uh, Associated Press, that's not what I heard a, about a year ago. I heard that they they thought it had come from a um, from a lab. It, they can't make up their mind on this, uh, Congressman. Well, we need full disclosure, and we need to know everything that the uh, that the administration knows about the Wuhan lab. You know, it's. Um, there's a, a theory where it could have come from a, an animal crossover like other viruses have, but there's so many coincidences with this lab being located uh, very close to that fish market where they say the virus originated that it definitely deserves a lot of light to be shown on it, and uh, the, the truth needs to come out because it has great implications that this is something that leaked from a, a, a Chinese lab, also one that sounds like has some American taxpayer money helping fund the research. We we really need to know the answers to this so that we can correct course for the future. All right. Things keep getting crazier. 
In the clown car called the Democrat Party, I'll bring a story to the congressman when we come back. We've got to get a break in. Out in California, lawmakers are targeting police canine units, calling for their removal because, well, what's their operative word? They're racist. We'll talk about yeah. that in a moment yeah, the dogs, right? with the congressman <laughs> here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, another story from the, from the uh, uh, state of fruit. Nuts and Flakes, uh, a new effort is underway by, to ban police from using police dogs in California to arrest or apprehend suspects. If passed, it would also ban police from using them for crowd control. The lawmaker behind the bill said that the use of police canines have been the backbone of this country's history of racial bias and violence against black Americans. And uh, the assemblyman, who's called, uh, his name is Corey Jackson, said police can- canines were first used by slave catchers and are a violent carryover from America's dark past. Man, if they can, if they can tie it to racism, to that ism, they do so, Congressman. It uh, never ceases to amaze me. I wonder if the if the dogs cut Social Security and Medicare as well, because uh, you know. <laughs> No, that was Trump. Must, must be <laughs> right. Well, that's that's any anybody that's not a Democrat. That's what they're going to do: is yeah. Social Security and Medicare, according to all Democrats. And uh, I guess even now uh, uh, we have racist dogs in our country. If if they're owned by a police officer, there and they were raised that way. Okay. They'll tell you they were raised yeah. that way. I you know just it's ridiculous. Cong- Congressman, for people that don't understand, and, and this is something I get into, and and I know you know this, but canines are actually one of the best de-escalation uses you can have in law enforcement. Yeah, I, I I'm not a law enforcement. Uh, officer but i've been around uh, enough to see that um you know that you've got that that dog there that uh, kind of brings a little bit of of calmness to the situation and uh i think people respect those dogs because they know they've been trained to uh to uh, help the officer maintain control so it's almost like having a well they call them canine officers so it's it's like having a uh uh, another tool in the toolbox for the police officer to do his job. All right, last question uh, for you. Uh, story from Reuters. Uh, yesterday, U.S. Central Bank uh, is going to need to keep gradually raising interest rates to beat inflation. Dallas Federal Reserve President Lori Logan said uh, yesterday, putting investors on notice that borrowing costs may ultimately need to go higher than is now widely expected. Right now we're at 45 4.75% range. Said that uh, they're going to have to push it up to at least 5.1% before the policy will be sufficiently restrictive, their words, not mine, to ease price pressure. But everybody's got to understand, if it goes to 5.1% uh, as the base rate, that means paying on that big debt that we got of $32, $33 trillion, just an interest rate is going to be ridiculous. It's, it's so unfortunate. I can't think of a uh, – it's, it's maddening and unfortunate that this administration is, is continuing to uh, constrain supply chains, and we talked about energy early on. If this economy were unleashed and the supply was there to meet the demand, 
then you wouldn't have to be playing with interest rates to drop prices. And as long as uh, the uh, supply is low, the Fed's going to continue to raise interest rates to try to keep prices low. And they're just driving our economy further and further in the direction that it, it doesn't need to go. I don't necessarily fault the Fed, because that's the tool they have to try to lower inflation. But it's not, there's another part of the equation, and it's increasing supply, and that falls on the Biden administration and the uh, ridiculous regulatory environment, and and uh, and they're putting the brakes on the economy is what they're doing, and there's no better illustration of that than our energy sector. Last, uh, last statement uh, from me today, four Russian aircraft were... Uh detected and intercepted over the Alaska Air Defense Identification Zone Monday uh, in what NORAD called a routine incident. Uh, I don't think anything's routine anymore with the way the Chinese and the Russians are acting. Do you, Congressman? No, I don't. And what they do is they, they see a weak spot and they probe the weak spot. And I tell you, the weak spot is, is Joe Biden and his administration and the leadership we have in the military right now. Uh, and this goes back to, I, I think it started with Afghanistan, and it's just escalated from there. We've seen, obviously, Russia invade Ukraine. We see China uh, really with their focus on Taiwan, but uh, the boldness of them to send balloons uh, into our airspace. Um, it's it, it we're, we're sleeping in the bed that this administration's made is what's happening right now well what do you expect when the administration shows up every morning for work in the clown car i mean you know the, the car pulls up and 10 people fall out of it with big shoes on it's just and a red nose that honks i mean that's just the way that they are yeah yeah i had a former administration of uh of a former administration i was talking to a, a former secretary that said what's happened is they you know, they just check the boxes on who they wanted for cabinet secretaries and in leadership positions. So what you've got running this country are special interest groups mm-hmm. that go in and, and make the policy for the bureaucrats that are getting no direction from uh, from leadership. So it's it, they really have left the, the inmates in charge of the asylum. I agree. Congressman, thanks for the time. Next time you're in town for a few days. Feel free to stop by the studio. We'd love to have you come in and uh, and sit down and talk. It'd be great to do that, Dave. You have a blessed day. Always good to talk to you. Okay, go back to the asylum and take care of business. Okay, we appreciate you. We'll All talk right. to you. We'll talk to you later. That's Congressman Bruce Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, coming up in uh, the next hour, we're going to talk about uh, some differences in what's going on in health care, and uh, we want to get that to you. And uh, we've got to see uh, Joy McCutcheon's coming in to talk about FOIA oh, yeah. at 9. And then the new uh, Education Secretary of Arkansas is going to be with us at 10 o'clock. All right, back with you at second hour, 8 o'clock hour, Dave Ellswick show. And uh, I invited a friend of mine in today. Pat Davis is here today. Told me that he's got something new coming up. We're going to talk about that. Jimmy Cavan is here as well. Uh, Joy McCutcheon coming up at 9 o'clock. There seems to be uh, uh, people within the legislature that want to cut back on the uh, Freedom of Information Act. We want to talk about that. I think I'll uh, give a, make a call uh, over to Robert Steinbach and see if he can join us for a few minutes in the next hour. 10 o'clock hour, very special guest, 
the uh, new Secretary of Education of Arkansas, uh, Olivia, Olivia, is going to be with mm-hmm. us here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, so we want to hear what he has to say. I can't oh. wait to talk to the guy. I've been told that he is a real straight talker. Jimmy, you'll like him oh, if yeah. that's the case. So will I. So we'll see what he has to say coming up in the 10 o'clock hour of the show today. All right, Pat, you said that there's new stuff on the way. By the way, I want to thank Pat. Uh, his company stepped up uh, with uh, one other company, a roofing company, uh, that are going to make the uh, Jesus Revolution movie possible next week. We're doing a special showing of that Thursday over at Riverdale 10, and Pat Pat will be there. Uh, you know, he's a um, – what's the best way to put this? Uh, he got <laughs> saved during the Jesus Revolution, so we're going to talk – may talk a little bit about that to him during the course of the show. I showed him my new shirt today that just yeah. uh, came in. I got a hoodie that I'll be wearing next Thursday night. It says Jesus Freak on it because that's what we were all known as back in the day. So we'll be talking about that as well. But, uh, hey, dude, I want to think thanks for making it possible for us to show that to everybody. Free of charge, by the way. Cool. Yeah, we're excited about it. Well, yeah. It's, it's, I'm telling you, it, it featured you know Chuck Smith, the pastor of... Uh, was it Costa Mesa uh, mm-hmm. Church uh, is uh, featured in this? He's dead now, by the way, just so everybody knows. But um, Kelsey Grammer is going to play that part. Yeah, and they're going to do uh, Greg Laurie too, the, the preacher in Oregon who's got the big mega church up in Salem, Oregon. And I'm still trying to get Greg on. He is a hard dude <laughs> to get a hold of. I'm just telling you, he's not easy. And I'd like to get, on, get him on and talk to him. I'm reading his book right now about the Jesus Revolution. It's very interesting. Cool. So let's talk. turn to you again. Uh, again, thanks for making that happen. We'll sure. start, we're sure. going to start giving away free tickets on the air on Friday. Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Those are the days for free tickets. So be listening to call in to win. But with that in, uh, let's talk about you. You got something new. You're always you're always out there looking <laughs> of how you can That's make right. life uh, people's lives easier. Yeah, and and let me just say real quick first that um, as I kind of mentioned on some of the commercials I did for the Jesus Revolution, my wife uh, gave her life to the Lord in '71, and I did in '74, and uh, I was a big Jesus music guy. I've got tons and tons of the stuff from the late 60s and the early Larry 70s. Norman, Larry Norman, right? Norman, Randy Stonehill. I mean, I've got tons Randy, of stuff. Good buddy of mine. Um, lots of CDs. I have stuff I'm converting over to digital. Good. You know, it's just kind of cool. But yeah, what we're doing, um, our focus is staying about the same. My son-in-law and my son, Corey and Josh, I just say it because Corey's been with me just a bit longer, but um, <clears throat> we uh, they're they're focusing on the individual health plan. Still, we still want people to get a hold of us, and texting us is great. Um, get a hold of us to get a quote for health insurance. You know, if you've got insurance through your work or whatever it might be, your spouse's work. Uh, we've been able to just help whole families, you know, move over to our plans. But I'm also starting to work in the area of the small business market. And it's kind of a little-known area because uh, it, it's actually a little-known change in the law. It's not a new law. It's just a change in the law that allows for uh, people to get that have groups of, say, five all the way to almost 300 employees that we can take care of now. Where in the past, we really didn't go into that uh, space. 
Uh, but what's really great about it is that most brokers even uh, don't even know the rules regarding this. And so they'll tell their people, hey, now you're locked in for this next year, and you'll have to wait till the year after to get your other plan or do whatever. And then what they'll do is they'll go to about three different big companies and they'll just come back and say, okay, here's the best we can do. Well, we can come in 20, 30, 40% cheaper than that. And the reason is because we are not, we, we meet the qualifications that are, that are required for Obamacare, but we don't have Obamacare plans. So what happens is they go and they get their best rate from Blue Cross or whoever it might be, United Healthcare, whatever the company right. is, and then they turn around and come back and say, hey, this is the best we can do this year, and then we step in and say, look, this is what we can do. And I have people all the time say, oh, we just signed up, Pat, we'll do it next year. Why wait? If you're going to save a bunch of money, why not do it now? So if that, I can, you know, I say that every day when I, I know talk you about do. you. I, I know say, you do. Call him today. <laughs> Start saving today. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, th- I'm like, okay. So if I can save you two hundred dollars, and and this can happen, two hundred dollars a month per employee, and you have fifty employees that are on insurance, that means that's what ten thousand dollars. That's pretty good money to save. Times 12? I can save you over $100,000 for a year, and you want to wait till next year? That sounds like retirement can money we, Yeah, can the three of us leave our addresses and have you mail us some money if you have that much surplus? I'm telling you, man, it is, it's crazy. I have people all the time say, well, we're really happy. You're happy till you find out how much we can save you. I'm working with one company right now. They told me because of the ice, they lost $40,000 in two days because they couldn't have their business open. And during that time, the company did training for their employees on top of it and paid them. Well, guess what? Our insurance proposal is going to save them pretty much the money they lost in two days. That's significant for businesses. I would think so. And and but it's but it, even if it's a hundred dollars an employee that we save you, that's a lot of money today. And so don't buy the lie that hey, I I just signed up. We're in, we just went through our open enrollment. It was a hassle. We don't want to do this again. How much of a hassle is it to be able to figure out if we can save you a hundred or two hundred or whatever dollars per employee? Like I said, from, you know, really good would be 10 employees up to probably about 300 would be the best. But what happens is people don't realize this, and a lot of brokers don't even know this. When you sign up for a group health plan, what's locked in for a year is your rate. You're not. Okay. And they won't tell you that, and some of them don't even know that because they, the companies aren't going to tell them that. So what we do, because we don't fall under the guidelines that the Obamacare plans fall under, we can put people on plans and we can say, okay, we've got a person here and they're not very healthy, so they're making the whole group become more More expensive. expensive. But you can't do that under Obamacare. So what they do is they paint with broad strokes and everybody gets on the plan and they just have the rates that are raised more than they should be. So if I can bring a uh, preferred health group to the table, 
some of the companies that I work with, then I can get that group underwritten. And that's the key. We underwrite it. We go through that process, but it's nothing for the employee or the company to have to go through it. Even me, the companies I work with, they do most of the work, which is what I really love. They do the heavy lifting. And they have way better customer service. I mean, you get a hold of United Healthcare. You check and find out what you got to do to talk to somebody in in their you know departments. And I write for these companies. I know them, and it, and it's not their fault. It's just the system and what the system allows. But you take a look at rates and what we're able to do for people. I'm just telling you right now. If you own a business or you have some friend or family member who owns a business, and you have anywhere from ten to three hundred employees, get a hold of me. All right. We'll Let's be able to help the phone them. Number. Give the phone number where they can call or text you. Yep. 501-605-6935. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna, go ahead. Yeah. 501-605-6935, yourhealthplanman.com. All right. We're going to come back, talk more with Pat Davis. If you're a business owner, and and you know how I love you small business people, I mean, I'm the guy who got uh, went back to the Capitol to do the shows, and the first thing I did is somebody gave me a letter about how you guys will be supposed to be paying up your uh, sales tax collections uh, early. In other words, before you even know what you're collecting for a month, you're supposed to you're supposed to guess at how much you should, and you send the money to them and stuff like that. And there, there's there's uh, I'm just letting you know right now they're writing up bills to get rid of that. They're, they're, they couldn't believe it when they saw it, although they had to have voted for it because it came into being two years ago. Just let you know. That's how, how bills like this get through. Uh, we're going to come back and we'll talk about Pat. We're going to talk more specifically with him. It's your opportunity to learn how to save a whole lot of money. Pat, that last night while you were sleeping, and your sleep wasn't disturbed about this, but a, a big chunk of rock about a half a mile wide past past the earth uh, how, Just, how close of let me see how close it came it, it came it was the closest pass near earth in more than 400 years really all right and likely did it hit any balloons it just came yeah i don't know if it did or not <laughs> I haven't figured that out I haven't, I did those balloons say steve lander's autos yeah, on? yeah that's, that's right. my question because <laughs> they're saying that those balloons could be from the sales of cars yeah floating up there Maybe some of the congressmen or senators were around back then when that last time then went through there, what, 400 years ago? Yeah, you know, Feinstein probably close. Yeah. Yeah, she's close. All right, <laughs> let's take a, we'll take a break on that. I won't, I'll, I'll give her a break. And uh, I've met her. She's a nice lady. Stupid, but a nice lady. Yeah. I mean, I'm, she is. I mean, be, those people belong in clown cars. They really do. Yeah, well, she's not Catholic. <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you that. No, no, no. Neither is Biden. <laughs> no. Neither is Pelosi. No. All right. Let's take a, a, a get back into what we're talking about. Let's go back over to Pat here and talk a little bit about, about how small businesses can save big money yeah. with Pat. Absolutely. You know, and, and and it just never ceases to amaze me the number of it, people. It, I'm the same way, Pat. Yeah. I mean, I talk about you every day on my show. I appreciate you, it too. you advertise on my show. I believe in your product. I believe in what you're doing. And I, 
I, I don't understand how a businessman can listen and he could end up saving over $100,000 a year and doesn't take advantage of it. Yeah. You know, and it, and it might be 25 or 30 or whatever thousand. It might be 300,000. It depends on how many employees. It's it depends greenbacks, on a lot. Folks. Yeah. And the, the reason, so like with one we're working with right now, basically what we're doing is we have people that are extremely unhealthy that with one of the big name companies, you all know the names, if they, if you have that company, and, and I'm just saying it because it's reality, Blue Cross, United Healthcare, those companies, they cannot, because of the mandates of Obamacare, and they choose to be under that, they cannot what we call cherry pick. So if you've got somebody who's really unhealthy, they can't just, okay, we're going to just you know, we're going to waive that insurance and we're going to do something else. We're going to go to the marketplace. We're going to do whatever. They could do that, but they don't realize how much more effective it is if we can take that whole group and say, all right, so this person right here, let's get them on their spouse's insurance or let's get this person on a, on a marketplace plan or whatever it might be because they would be able to do that or they could be on, um, you know, some type of military plan or that. You know, some of them are on Medicaid, but there's ways of doing that so that you can take that group and go, you know what? This is a really healthy group, and now we can save you 10, 20, 50, 100, 200, however many thousand dollars a year on your insurance. Or maybe you just think, well, we might save a little bit, but it's not really. It's worth it. All you have to do is give me a call. We can talk, and if we can help you, we're going to do it. And if we can't, we're never going to make a move that's going to hurt you. And we're not going to make a lateral move. There's no reason for that. Uh, but it's, it, it's pretty incredible. And as soon as I started finding out about this and I started talking to some buddies of mine and even other states uh, that are doing some of this, the, 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 I mean, it's like they want to have a party, the business owners, because they're saving so much money. And they're being told that, hey, you know what? We just signed up January 1st, so we're locked in until next year. Or we just signed, we'll be signing up again in April, or whatever that day is, right? Whatever their anniversary is. But you can sign up off anniversary with the companies I'm talking about, and they will save you a whole lot of money in many situations. Now, if you have a group that's really unhealthy, or let's say that you have a group that is primary female, they're going to likely be having children sometime along the way. And so that's another risk. But if you've got a bunch of people who recently had cancer or some of the different things like that, that's kind of a tougher situation. But we still have alternatives because these people can go. We've got companies that will pay for them to go to their spouse's insurance because they're saving so much money. They can do a lot with that. So group insurance is not rocket science, but brokers, agents have made it that. And that's what's frustrating because a lot of people have been just had it etched in their brain. Man, I can't make a move for a year. You know, I just can't do it. No, the only thing locked in, as I said a little bit ago, is the rate. But you're not locked in to have to keep that plan. And we move plans. The company I'm working with, one in particular, they move plans off anniversary all year long. And what's really great is if you have a group that is really healthy and they have a good year, you as the business owner can get reimbursed 
a big part or part of your premiums. You can't do that with other companies. Okay, now explain that one out for us. Well, it's just the way the plans are built to be able to have extra money. And as long as there's not a lot of extra claims or whatever for that year, that money goes into a pool, and that money, some of it, will go back to the company. It's incredible. Yeah, this sounds like there's a lot more up to them than there is any down to them. Yeah, and and we've looked at, because people say, well, yeah, but the benefits aren't. Our benefits are better. Like, I'm working with one right now. They've got a $5,000 health savings account, the deductible, you know, $5,000. We're looking at a $1,000 deductible. You think those employees are going to be happy when they find out now they have better insurance, better benefits, and it costs them less money, depending on the amount the employer's paying, and it's going to cost the employer less money. And we have people, we have employers are like, Man, we're going to put more people on the plans, and because they'll be able to afford to pay, you know, one hundred and fifty dollars for their half or whatever it might look like for that group. So that's exciting. And and anytime I can do something like that, I have a passion for small businesses. I really do. I know you do too. When I can help somebody that way. I know that I can lay my head on my pillow at night and go, man, we just helped another company save a hundred well, grand you know as or well twenty as, or fifty or yeah, whatever. You know as well as I do, those businesses are struggling right now. Oh man, gosh, yes, and 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 it blows my mind because I know that people listening will say, yeah, we like our we like our agent, we like our company, we like our plans, we really don't want to change anything. You know, I'm not a if it's not broke you know, don't try and fix it kind of guy. I'm a guy that's like, if it's not broke, break it. Because there's something (laughs) out there that's better. One of my favorite stories is, it was like 1902, if I remember right, um, they introduced the forward pass in football in college. Up until that point, all they could do was run. Yeah. And I think it was uh, St. Louis University, the Pelicans, right? Or Billikens, Billikens. They introduced the pass, and they outscored their opponents that year 402 to 12. They killed everybody. Well, most of the teams were like, well, this is something new. I don't want to try it. What we're talking about isn't even new. It's available. Every broker in the country could offer this to their employ- to people, but they just don't. And most of them don't even know about it because they're, they've kind of drank the Kool-Aid of the company. But... You know, I'm not saying, hey, go to your broker and see what I'm talking about. If they haven't told you, please be fair to me and and treat me with that respect and call me and let me show you what we're talking about. All right. There you got it. I let the man come on and talk to you about this. Don't say I didn't ever tell you how to save money. Because well, I'm, doing, I'm telling you how to save money. Yeah, if you're, if you're a small business employer, why not call and check it out? It's not going to cost you anything to find out. No, it's cheap. Yeah. And it doesn't take that long. It doesn't take long. And you don't even have to call him. Text him. Yep. What's that phone number again? 501-605-6935. All right. I got Pat on for two reasons. We're going to talk a little bit more about health insurance in the next half hour. But we're also going to talk about the Jesus Revolution. We're We're showing that movie a week from tomorrow. So keep that in mind. It's all right.
First gear, it's all right. Second gear, hold on tight. Third gear. All right, back with you. That was written by a guy who really made his name in Christian music, Chuck Gerard. You remember Chuck Gerard? Oh, yeah. All right, you remember yeah. him? You remember this song right here? Check it out. Sometimes all oh, yeah. Hallelujah. A lot of you remember this song. Sometimes praise. One of the very first praise songs. Yep. All right. Now, why do I do this? Okay, that's good. Why do, why do I do this? That's a really pretty song. It's a great piece yeah. of music. Lay Your Burden Down, I think, is his best song that he ever wrote, but that's okay. But anyway, uh, that came out in 1974. Little Honda came out in 1964. And he, like a lot of people at the end of the 60s, uh, ended up in the end of the 60s, the hippie movement, the end of the Summer of Love. That ended in Altamont Freeway, you know, Raceway, with an uh, 18-year-old kid that had been stabbed to death by the Hell's Angels in front of a Rolling Stones concert. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, anyway, you know, all that peace, love, and stuff that everybody talking about suddenly came crashing down around everybody's yeah. ears. Yeah. And everybody was empty. Nobody, you know, they were sitting around going, what is going on here? And that's when the Jesus Revolution happened. Yep here in America. It's yeah. the biggest awakening that happened in all time in the United States. All right? And people don't even hardly talk yeah. about it anymore. Uh, the way you worship on Sundays was affected by the Jesus sure Revolution. Was. Yep. Absolutely. The music and everything. Yep. Just uh, that's how it happened. But uh, And, and it, it's an important time during uh, Pat Davis's life. Uh, you said 74 for 74. You? Okay. I got saved when I was a little kid under my grandfather's preaching. But it was a major input into my life of yeah. standing up for Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife, um, she got saved in 71, and she um, actually saw Petra in their church basement. That's we how long ago. Oh, this world. Oh, man. Anyway, like I say, They're awesome. <laughs> and, and really, you know, a lot of where we're at today music-wise, a lot of that came through Petra and bands like that. Um, we, you know, there was just a lot of great bands, and people didn't know about them. You mentioned you know, somebody to me during the break. I haven't heard them mention in a long time. I had three of their albums, and that's Servant. Yeah. They were fantastic. Oh, yeah. Jungle music. You know, they, yeah. they had some some pretty incredible stuff. And then um, another band I really liked was Sweet Comfort Band. Yeah, Sweet Comfort I Band. I saw one of their last concerts. I got a hat that was thrown, whatever, if I remember right. And I wore it all the time and wore it out. I was just like, ah, I wish I could rewind time and keep that thing. Mm -hmm. But they were so good uh, that they were touring with Toto. That's how good Sweet Comfort Band was. Christian, so, a Christian band, Christian band that touring with a with secular Toto. band. Yeah, what's that all about? Yeah, of course that was Brian Duncan. A lot of people of know who Brian Duncan is, just as a solo artist. But, but there was a anyway. guy we knew that used to say, "Why does the devil have all the good music?" Yeah, Larry Norman. <laughs> you were saying, yeah, you said that. We're talking I want about that the last people week, right? absolutely. Right? That, I want that, the people yeah. to know that he saved my soul. Yeah, I, still I like that. to listen to the radio. I was playing that song last week. Yeah, it's yeah. a great, oh, just, great song. I was telling these guys, I've just got so many old albums. I've got albums, and vinyl, right? That are 
impeccable. They're, I mean, there's they, not a scratch some, on any of them. They are worth some money now, by Yeah, man. have all I mean, those seriously. and CDs and, you know, cassettes and that's, that's, no 8-tracks. I never did the 8-track scene. I'm but. just going to tell you, that's when <laughs> most Christian contemporary music were on Word and Sparrow. Yep, that's right. That was the two labels. And Myrrh. Myrrh. Yeah. yeah. And what a lot of people didn't know is that Word and Sparrow and, and, and all the rest of them were owned by the big labels. Yeah. These were, this, it was what they would uh, call a small label break that they used. And uh, they understood people were dying to get that music. Yep. And they started putting it out and it became huge, huge hits. I, I remember when I, I interviewed uh, Amy, Amy Grant. Uh, just before seen her too in concert. before the release of Age to Age, mm-hmm. which was her phenomenal album uh, back in the that would have been in the mid to late eighties. A lot of water under the bridge since those days, folks. Let me <laughs> just tell you. Uh, and I I talked to her and she says, "Well, well do you want to talk to my one of my arrangers and he's got a new album out." And I said, "Sure." And Michael W. Smith walked into yeah. the dressing room nice. and sat down, and we talked nice. about it. And then we talked about a brand-new song that he had out called Friends. Yeah. Remember that song? Oh, that, yeah. that was the, sure. his first big monster hit. I mean, monster hit. And uh, just uh, it was a great time uh, yeah. to be involved with uh, uh, that movement. I, I, I did a lot of stuff uh, with the Jesus Revolution from... About nineteen late sixty nine early seventies all the way to today. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff I do today is based on what happened back in those days. Yep, absolutely. Important days yeah. for sure. They, they were, well, you're going to get the opportunity starting a Friday to win some tickets here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll have tickets uh, that we'll give away. We're going to give away four packs each day: uh, Friday, Monday, and Tuesday to come see the movie um are you guys using the tickets for your for your clients or are you gonna are you gonna we're, give them away? we're How giving them all it? away are you yeah okay jo- That's good. Uh, josh and Corey and i are gonna go to the movie um but yeah we're looking forward to it and we're gonna ha- have a table out there we look forward to meeting some people we've never met before and some people that are clients of ours that'll probably be there and we can put a name with a face and that'll be fun Absolutely. to do all right so i got i'm looking at you pat and people look at me, and kind they, of scary for both of us. Well, here's though, the isn't key. It? Here's no. the key. You, <laughs> you ought to be in my chair. Yeah, you <laughs> ought to be in his chair. <laughs> you, uh, you would not recognize me from that time frame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I, sure. I tell people that I kind of look like John Lennon. I had hair down to my shoulders. Did you have glasses. I had the round glasses yeah. that John yeah. wore. That's what I wore, and. But here, here's the key. I was kind of dressed up. I was sitting in my room, and there's a picture. My wife has seen it, and she just goes, oh, my God. Uh, I'm wearing a, 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 a nice shirt, and I got a pullover sweater. That's always been my way of dressing up. Yeah, yeah. Not wearing a tie or anything, just putting the sweater on with jeans on. And yeah. she says, I wouldn't even know that's you, Dave, because, <laughs> look, I'm, I shave my head bald now. So I'm I'm looking over at Pat. Pat, did yeah. you have real long hair? No, I was just going to say you said you had long hair. I had hair. That's my my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, I had uh, like a what do we call it, a body wave or a perm, and it wasn't like a fro, but I mean it, it was pretty puffy. People laugh when they see that. Oh, so. That's great, man. 
I would love yeah. to see you in a fro. Oh, I'll have to show I, you. I had a fro. <laughs> Did you have a fro? Man, I could take it out to here. I mean, I couldn't even walk through the yeah, doors. Yeah, I didn't go there. I, turn, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I couldn't even make it through doorways. So you look like Sly then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Billy Preston. Billy Preston. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Another Christian brother. Yeah. yeah. You know? Will it go Preston around was, in a circle? Yeah. I was just going to say Billy that. Preston was great music. Used to, I've, I've hauled a lot of hay listening to Billy Preston on an old 8-track. Yeah. Do you yeah. realize that his, uh, I think his real claim to fame is when the Stones went on tour and he went with them. He played t- keyboards for the yeah. Stones. Yeah. He was amazing. Billy P was player. good music. Yeah, and, uh, it, was it was fun good, music. Yeah, it sure was. And it was and, happy uh, music. Yeah. And, uh, he, uh, he, he, but his talking about his hair, and you couldn't get a fro out further than Billy P. Now, I'd say the, the, Roberta Flack had a bigger fro. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I can go with Roberta Flack. I had a nice album of Roberta Flack back then. And I could go even further, and let's talk about a communist. Uh, Angela Davis had the biggest uh. fro, fro of all three of them. All right, I'm just, I'm just saying. There, there were birds nesting in her hair, yeah. I believe, at times. You know, and then she went and hung out in Cuba all that time. Yeah. And they still look at her as being a a heroine i, I no. nah, don't nah, yeah. nah, 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 don't nah. Even, we won't even talk about I that i will say this if, if you want to go back to the music of those times which i'm a music admin if if you young people out there go back and listen to some billy preston just good. google it and go back and listen to it because i think you would find his music entertaining today well and, uh, let me just say that we had the golden age of music in that era the, six, the late 60s through the 70s? I agree. That's the golden age of music. Yeah. What what do most young people, if you listen to what they're listening to, for the most part, not listen to rap, which I don't consider music. But, uh, you know, well, it's not. You know, you know you're talking. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's it's poetry to music. That's fine. I don't have any problem with it. But, uh, I mean, you look at the golden age of music, and, man, it's still today but, played all the time it's cl- called classic rock for a reason my, yeah. old, my oldest son is 35 and his favorite song was tangled up in blue yeah there you go and uh and i mean they go back they actually listen to music from the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and uh and they really enjoy it it's good music well i like when music. people say have you ever heard this group and they're playing it's somebody that you know i've known forever yeah that's you right. know as, as far as that, right. yeah, tangled up in blue that's great oh, stuff yeah. just yeah. to be honest all right, we got to get a break in. Let's do that. We're going to bring back Pat just for a few more moments after the break. I want him to, again, just, I don't want to say we're begging you. I'm not begging you. I'm just telling you the truth. If you're a small business owner and you've got 10 to 300 people under your uh, your tutelage, so to speak, uh, that you've got hired, you can be saving yourself and your people that work for you some big money and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we come back on the dave ellswick show all right back with you dave ellswick show we got about uh nine more minutes here pat davis and pat i know that you do uh health insurance Mm -hmm. but you're 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 dipping your big toe into the swimming pool or maybe it's a hot tub uh (laughs) about be a hot tub now because the water be too cold in the pool but the bottom line, you're getting into some uh, something new to help people save money even more. Yeah, well, one of the one of the things that a lot of people don't realize uh, in financial planning because they get their advice primarily from brokers. 
And there's another really powerful element of financial planning, and that's insurance products. And just to, to show a point, the wealthy, the super wealthy in America all have insurance products that they use. And I was talking with one of my clients. He's a guy out in, in Oregon. I was talking to him yesterday. He's like, well, I looked into annuities. I looked into some of this stuff, and I just don't like that. I'm like, so basically whatever information you were given gave you the impression that something that the super wealthy have used and protected themselves with for decades is something that's not good. It just lets you know the misinformation that's out there. Just like insurance, it's the same thing. And even most brokers don't know you know, the problems with different things are telling people about insurance. But so here's the thing. You got people that's like, hey, you get me however many thousand dollars and we can talk. What we do, I'm working with what I feel, who I feel is one of the top guys in the country. But just one of my clients alone last year lost several million dollars or more than a million dollars in the market. Um, you know, because the broker will tell you, hey, this money is safer. The problem is the R. You right. want money that's safe as you get into your retirement years. And guess what? We don't even have a requirement. You've got to have X amount of dollars. But my clients, my health insurance clients, have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in 401Ks just in the last year alone. You talk to them about what they think the president and administration is doing for our economy, and it doesn't, you don't have to go any further. People are getting ripped in their in their investments and whatever and then you start to get into pulling out what they call required minimum distributions and you get into all this other kind of stuff and all of a sudden you're getting taxed on your social security income let me what if you don't have to pay any tax if you start early enough where you get your retirement money and you're not paying tax on your social security these are the kind of things that we do but we don't require people to have however much money to be able to have a conversation with us so give us a call I'm telling you, I'm going to my clients right now and talking to them, and and I don't remember how many I texted the other day, and out of those, I've already got five people I'm talking with that are like, I want to talk to you. I'm tired of losing this money. I'm tired of this happening, and we've got an alternative just to, today at one. I'm going on a webinar to learn about an alternative that is kicking, and and there's no risk. That's what I like about it. But people don't realize the government opened the door with laws that protected people. You know, Jim Harbaugh, the coach of Michigan, has a special life insurance product that he has in place as part of his retirement plan because it's going to pay him income in the form, basically, of personal loans that he gives to himself that he never has to pay back. It's a big part of his retirement plan. So I hear people say, oh, that's not for me. Wow. Really? <laughs> I want what the wealthy have. I, I want to have those things that are going to give me more advantages. You know, people cry all the time about, oh, the wealthy don't pay very much tax. It's because they're brilliant, not because they're cheats. Well, let's be honest about it. Even when you look at taxes... 90% of the taxes paid to the federal government come from the top 1% here in this nation. Absolutely. And you know what? They don't like giving it up, but they can give it up a little easier than we can give it up because we're living hand-to-mouth, paycheck-to-paycheck. And they give. 
You know, and that that's one of the things that's so important with that. But, you know, I just want to make sure my number is 501-605-6935. You can text me. You can call me. But I'm telling you, this is so much fun. I My, my son, Josh, and my son-in-law, Corey, are really working more with the private health insurance thing with the couples and families and individuals, uh, maybe real, you know, two, three, four, five people in a group. I'm doing the group stuff with the, you know, employers that have somewhere around 10 to 300 employees. But I'm really going to make more and more of my focus for, you know, my uh, energy, helping people move money into areas that's protected. You know, one of my pastors, great friend of mine, lost hundreds of thousands of dollars when 2008 hit. And, you know, Brookers will tell you there's these different numbers we call this, this, with bonds and with this. And all of a sudden, bonds and stocks drop in the same year. And all of a sudden, you're going, what just happened? I trusted this guy. I'm telling you, people are greedy. And as a result of that greed, they lose their nest egg. But you can put money into vehicles that pay pretty well, better than a CD for sure, which is what? Nothing anymore. Not anymore. Don't no. put it in savings. Just recently, um, I think they started paying 2% again. Yeah, that's, and, that, and we remember when they were paying 15, yeah. 18, yeah. whatever. And, but, but when you have time-tested strategies that you go back over 30 years and go, this is what this would have averaged, where you can not lose any money no matter what, but maybe you don't get as big a gain. They advertise that stuff all the time, but they say, hey, you know, bring your however many hundred thousand or whatever to the table and we'll talk. We're not talking about that. Maybe you've got 50000 in your in your uh, 401k or 200000 whatever it might look like, and you're going, man, I'm a little bit uneasy with this. Those are the kind of things that we want to talk about. Those are the people we want to help. Right. And it's fun. The conversations I've had lately with people – it's like they're going to be able to sleep at night again because they know that their money's not going to be, you know, taken a whack. And when they go to retire, they're going to get money from Social Security, and they're not going to have to pay tax on that money. Well, here's my key about Social Security, and it still irritates me. They tax you on your paycheck every time you get paid. They take about 6.5% out of your check. For your Social Security. And then your employer pays 6.5% as well. And you pay that over the lifetime that you work. Then it comes time for you to draw on your Social Security, which they taxed yep, you to right. get the money. And then they tell you... And abused well, your money. Yeah. And then they say to you, well, Dave, you know, we're going to let you get some of that money back now for your retirement. Yeah. But guess what? You're also working a, another job. Yeah. So yep. you make too much money. So now we're going to tax your Social Security. Yeah, that's right. And that's I, right. I personally think that, that that's ridiculous, and yeah. I think it should stop, but I don't hear. But if they do, because they've borrowed so much money from the Social Security Fund, it'd go bankrupt. Yeah, that's, if you take and it. spell out the yeah. IRS, it spells the word theirs. 
And that's what people don't realize. The IRS is theirs. And that's how they look at it. My number is 501-605-6935, 501-605-6935, com. I'm developing some other websites for some of the other things we've been talking about. But you can reach me through those numbers and that website. And I would love to talk to you about individual insurance, group insurance for your company, and also like to talk to you about making some of that money safe with IRAs and different 401ks and places that you've got money like that where we can protect So it go from you. theirs to yours. There you go. All right. You call Pat Davis. You do that today. All right. Pat, thanks for coming by. We appreciate you. You're Joy welcome. McCutcheon's coming in in the next hour. Talking about FOIA on the Dave Ellswick. All right, 9 o'clock hour, Dave Ellswick Show. And of all the crazy stuff that I've heard at the legislature, this might be one of the really craziest that I've heard, uh, Jimmy. And that is, we have worked over the last 15, 20 years to strengthen the FOIA laws of the state, to have one of the best FOIA laws in the United States uh, of America to make sure that those smoke-filled back rooms that we talk about from back in the day, they're still meeting in back rooms. They just don't smoke. They vape. Uh, and uh, keeping that under control so that we know what's happening. And even then, it's difficult because there's people who will not comply with FOIA and there's not enough teeth in it to make them comply. Uh, but now, within the Republican Party, who I've always hoped would stay as believers in transparency, uh, there's a move within our old party to restrict uh, FOIA here in the uh, the state of Arkansas. And there's, there is a, a miniature war going on right now. Uh, behind the scenes. Uh, Joy McCutcheon is involved with that. I'm sure that uh, Robert Steinbach is as well. We're going to make... Did we get a hold of him? Is he going to join us later? We're trying to... I'm, I'm about to do that. Okay, actually. he's going to... Okay, we're, we're going to call him and, and try to get him involved, uh, Joey, as well, because you two uh, probably are the, the two people that are really pressing this amongst uh, the politicians and the people who fill up our school boards and fill up our, you know, justice of the pieces and all of that. So what is happening? Who Who's feeding the line uh, to some Republican members who I'm, I'm not going to call their names right now. I will a little later on in the show. But they're bending to their argument who's going what's going on here joey well i think what happens is is many times you get a, a former school board member uh who becomes a state representative and um, they don't they don't want to be transparent and uh, uh or they get a for you violation and then they want to grind their axe but my personal opinion is is legislation um, we should be proactive with legislation, not always defending against these oh, yeah. attacks on FOIA. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with, with you on that. You and Robert have done that over the, the last several years, and that's what's led us to the, the ability to have government 
if these people follow the law that's transparent now i'm 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 going to assume i've talked with you before i've talked to robert that you all are you coming to the realization because people like the mayor of little rock and others in school boards and things of that nature up in northwest uh, arkansas aren't complying that we got to put more teeth into these laws so that if you draw a little bit of blood maybe there'll be a little bit more uh, forthcoming that's right we we need we need teeth in the law and uh uh you know one of the one of the aspects that is attorney fees but you know that's a double-edged sword uh and that's why for years i've taken these cases on without an attorney fee because ultimately it's the taxpayers who are who are uh footing the bill for this wrongful non-transparent conduct and uh so it's a real catch-22 for me yeah but here Uh, here, here's the thing joey they can't blame you because of what you're doing it's their elected officials that are breaking the yeah, law. But they will blame it. They yeah. will blame Joey. They will blame it, uh, which is ridiculous, right, Joey? Yeah, yeah. They anyone who stands up for for FOIA, I've seen has is now the you know is the great villain, and uh, and we just can't allow that. You, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We know that occasionally. Very, very seldom is someone just abusing FOIA, uh, whether it's open records or open meetings. And, and I'm talking about on, on the citizen side, you know, um, requesting records. Uh, you know, I, I understand in the in the back rooms they're talking about uh, limiting access to to records because uh, you have. Uh, one person out there probably who's a, a, abusing FOIA, and we can't allow that. We can't allow that to happen. Well, we've allowed it to happen with gun rights. You yeah. know what I'm saying? If one person yeah. breaks the law using a gun, and they don't to try to go after them, which they never do. They end up going after all of us that are legally owning firearms. That, that's right, and. Um, it's not going to ho- happen on my watch if, if I have anything to say about it. Um, you know, one of the things that I've pushed for years is we need to define what a meeting is in the state of Arkansas. Um, back in 2012, I personally brought a case. It went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said that it's the legislature's job to define what a meeting is. We proposed a bill. Um, we will shortly file a bill. Um, that says that two or more members of a public body shall neither discuss, deliberate, nor decide public business. Um, and, and to me, if we want to quote the strongest FOIA law in the country, there's, there's nothing wrong with that bill where two school board members can't get out and discuss public business. You can discuss it all you want at a public meeting, but don't discuss it you know, at the, around the coffee table and make your decision because the public is not only, we're not only entitled to see the final result, we're entitled to see how the sausage is being made. That's right. And, unfor- and unfortunately, the sausage is being made in, in backroom deals, and, and we don't see the real reasons for, for some of these votes. And uh, only with a strong definition of meeting. Uh, can we 
can we uh, really have uh, open government in Arkansas? Joey, what I'm getting is is the bill that you're trying to get together and, and push is, is what we're needing. But what's disturbing me is that we actually apparently have some so-called conservative Republicans that are wanting to push a bill that actually is counter to the bill you're talking about and actually gives uh, changes it to where people, these board members, uh, corn court members, city council members, can discuss business outside of an open public setting. And I just, I, I can't, I would expect that from from some far left people, but these are conservative Republicans that are coming with this. And at that point, I'm thinking, why do we even have an open meeting? Well, I believe it's because they've been they've been uh, fed a line of malarkey. That's what that's what I believe. They've they've heard the bad story, Joey, of, of, of what we've talked about here. That there's somebody who's wanting pages and pages and pages of documentation uh, that they have, and uh, they're misusing and abusing the program. Well, you know, and, and Jimmy. And I were talking about this during the break, and that is with freedom comes the ability for some people to abuse. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we take away the people's rights that are doing it correctly. That's not the way to do this. If we if we do that, what's going to happen, it's going to be worse than it was when we first started, I believe. No doubt about it. And, and there's two separate issues here. One is one is the attack on the record side where, you know, these folks are going and they're, oh, woe is me. We got, we've got this one person in our district who's, who's trying to get all these records and doesn't even read the records. And they want to throw every, they want to infringe on my rights, on citizens' rights for what one person is doing. And they're probably not telling the whole truth even with that. Right. The other side of the coin is, is open meetings. You know, they want to be able to discuss get out here and discuss uh, public business uh, it, it around the coffee table. And, uh, and, and that would be a disaster. If we really want open government, if they're considering a bill that will allow two individuals to discuss but not decide an issue, uh, we will not have open government in Arkansas, and that is a, that is a danger to our democracy. We didn't have it before. Look, I remember when they would, they these guys would meet out, and, and let's just, I'll just, I'm, I'll make this part of it up. They'd go to Waffle House, and they'd have breakfast, and uh, some person would say to the person in charge, would say, hey, look, uh, we'll do this job for this amount. And they say, oh, that sounds great. We'll make sure that that happens. And that wasn't taken care of in front of the public. That was taken care of over a, a, a dark waffle at Waffle House. That's not the way business should be conducted. I, I actually saw that last night at the Conway School Board meeting, where they, the school board president, you know, unwittingly and, and just he didn't, he didn't realize what he was saying, but he actually admitted and told everybody that, he and another board member had a private meeting and instructed the superintendent to to uh, uh directed him to, to make a decision on something 
and they did it and they did it over a phone call and make it that and make it in a certain way right yeah you know which is a violation of the law hey joey i want to tell you this though if if these people pushing this bill to to water down the open meeting laws they might as well call it the joey mccutcheon chip section Stephen napperano bill because there are cases out there that you guys are taking on these violations, open meetings, and that's really, and those cases are really what's at the root of trying to get this legislation that would water down the laws. It it absolutely is. We we've we've tried to to verdict and and settlement and judgment. I, I don't know a, a dozen of these open meetings laws, and we've appealed uh, three of them up to the Supreme Court. And we got a bad ruling in the Wade case. And basically the Wade case has muddied the water on both sides of this issue. Governing bodies don't know what a meeting is, and the public doesn't know what a meeting is. And uh, as one dissenter from the Supreme Court said, this is just nothing more than secrecy, allowing allowing, um, up to set three out of the seven to meet, to uh, ask if the question is not asked and a decision is not made, that's not a meeting. So the, but it, but as the, this justice said, um, she said, what that's going to lead to are, are lawsuits, and I'm mm-hmm. considering, I'm considering filing uh, a couple of lawsuits um, over this very issue. But this, the the legislature could correct this problem. We're going to put a bill. We're going to put a bill on open meetings to the legislature, and we're hopeful that if we really believe in open government, uh, then we're not going to allow two members uh, of the public body to discuss, deliberate, or decide a public issue that is not before the that is that is not in a meeting, and and that's the only way it should be. I mean, that's what Governor Rockefeller envisioned yep uh regarding open government and uh for them to propose that that oh we're we're gonna they're gonna propose a bill that says oh you can discuss business as much as you want to discuss it just don't decide it that's my understanding of what's what's happening in these these uh uh uh, secret meetings that are going on now uh with with different different bodies all right we're going to come back and talk to Joey a little bit more, and we'll talk to him about just what he just said at the end, that they can meet and talk about it, but they can't decide. What do you think that they're sitting and talking about? That's right. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll talk, we'll talk about this even more as we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's, uh, it's transparency in government at stake, I believe, uh, in the legislature now, and I'll be uh, pursuing this even more so when I'm over at the, the, the Capitol building on Tuesday and Thursday. We'll... We'll uh, dig deeper into this. We'll have people on that are are sponsoring these bills and have them on and answer the questions, the hard questions. All right. Don't forget about PI Roofing, PI Roofing, and Home Solutions. Take care of your roof. Take care of just about anything you got going on around your house. You need something done, uh, you know, to be constructed at your house, but you know that the big construction company's just going to tell you, we don't have time to do that. You know that we didn't. We're not going to 
worry about something. We're going to make a couple thousand. We're looking about things that we make tens of thousands of dollars off of, and you're going to have to find somebody out, else out about that. And so you got to ask your friends and your neighbors, and you got to stop people walking down the street to ask them, you know anybody who does some work on, you know, does construction, does carpentry work, whatever it is that you need? Instead of doing it that way, let me suggest that you call PI Roofing. PI Roofing now, PI Roofing and Home Solutions. They will do the ca- that kind of construction for you. They'll come out. They'll they'll bid your project. They'll tell you how much it's going to cost. If it's a deck you want, they'll design it for you. They'll do all of that, and uh, you know they'll be happy to do it at a price that you can afford. You call them five zero one seven zero seven thirty one fifteen. They're going to come out to my house uh, in. Uh, in April, and they're going to repair my deck, and I can't wait because then I'm going to have some barbecues this year, and I'll even invite, you know, Jimmy out, and he can wear his shorts and stuff when he comes out to have a have a hot dog. But uh, again, the phone number is five zero one seven zero seven thirty one fifteen. The Dave Ellswick Show reminds you to go to piroofing dot com. All right, let's get back to it. Uh, we got Joey McCutcheon. We're going to keep him to the bottom of the hour. Nine thirty five. Robert Steinbach. Uh, is going to join us. We're going to talk to him as well uh, next week. And uh, I got I got to tell you that uh, Jimmy mentioned this to me. We'll try to get the uh, AG on because I'm sure he's not happy if somebody's out there trying to basically water down uh, the uh, the FOIA Act. Uh, he uh, and and she before him would use the people that did the FOIA stuff. They gave them a jumping-off point many times, did it not, Joey, to to pursue criminal activity? Yeah, you talking about through FOIA? Yes, pursue criminal activity. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, you know, one. I think one uh, one of the things I'd like to introduce here is recently um, the uh, you might have seen it where the Huntsville superintendent and the uh, basketball coach uh, Caleb Houston. Uh, were criminally prosecuted uh, for failure to notify, uh, as as a mandated reporter, uh, sexual abuse that was occurring against uh, school children uh, in uh, basketball players in Huntsville. Uh, FOIA led to that. We we pursued the FOIA case where we found at least twelve different violations of FOIA. Uh, whether it was open records or open meetings, most of it was open meetings where they weren't even recording as required by law uh, meetings. And, and, and that's going on across this state. But recently, uh, the superintendent and coach pled guilty uh, to a criminal violation of failure to notify as a mandated reporter, uh, recklessly doing so. Uh, but these are the important issues that, that, that open government expose and make our world a safer place, uh, make our world a more accountable place, hold, hold uh, politicians accountable. And, and to try to weaken FOIA makes no sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And this has been going on more and more. I mean, I've been following the story up in Virginia here over the last uh, couple of months where you got all these kids that have been getting, uh, you know, merit uh, achievement awards, and the the, the people in their uh, school districts aren't even telling them 
uh, about them, and they can't use them to go out and looking looking for scholarships. That's crazy. That 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 is criminal. That's costing families thousands upon thousands of additional dollars to go to school. You know, Joe, we talk about this, they, what a lot of these people are claiming is well, people are weaponizing. Got one minute left. By okay, way. cool. Weaponizing for you. Yes, I use for you as a weapon to fight corruption. Joey, we don't have much time to talk about that, how FOIA fights corruption. I mean, I mean it abs- absolutely does. It, it Without FOIA, without the ability to get documents, without the ability to, to see discussions occur in an open meeting, uh, we'll never find out what government's doing, uh, the good stuff or the corruption. And... Uh, you know, Huntsville was a classic example of of corruption, in in my opinion, where uh, superintendents were not doing their job, the school board was not doing their job, and as a result, um, students' health, mental health, and and physical health was jeopardized. All right, and Joey, I gotta I gotta jump in because we're out of time. I'll get you on this next week. You're gonna be you're gonna be here in Little Rock at the uh, at the Capitol. Yep, I'm. I'm hoping we'll have some some FOIA bills, um, as well as I'll be down on on a couple other matters. So, looking forward to being on your show today. All right, today. we'll, we'll get you. We'll get you on third floor house side. Dave Ellswick show. Let's go to the news on talking about this move going on amongst some Republicans uh, that want to water down. Uh, the freedom of information laws that we've passed and have fought for so hard. And, uh, look, I haven't fought that hard for them. I've reported on about what's going on. Uh, but Joey and Robert Steinbach have uh, gone to the mat over this. Bulldogs. And, Bulldogs. Uh, and Robert is with us right now. Robert, uh, is this bothering you? Because some of the people that are pushing this are – really conservative Republicans that you and I both know who typically get behind really good legislation, who's misleading them to think that this is good legislation? Well, I don't know which bill uh, that you're specifically talking about, but I have seen these movements, so I can speak to your your broader point. Um, And these are all coming from uh, all these are virtually all coming from entities like the municipal league like arkansas counties association uh and these those two entities for example are entities that take your tax dollars right because remember how they get paid they go to the county or they go to the city and they ask for dues and the city bureaucrats send them big checks of your tax dollars. Where do you think that money comes from? And that money doesn't go to help you. That money goes to help those bureaucrats uh, do things like fight against transparency. Because, of course, their job is harder if they've actually got to be transparent. So they prefer not to be transparent too often. And so they take your money and they send it to a private lobbying organization to lobby the legislature to reduce the work they have to do. And you're paying for it. Right. Hey, hey, Robert, it's Jimmy. Uh, a big Jimmy. thing I'm getting is the bill hadn't been out yet, but there is a bill coming that would change open meeting laws and to actually allow uh, corn court, school board members, city council members, and so on, to actually meet 
one-on-one outside of open meetings and discuss business in that the where I'm getting that that push is coming from is actually school board members and superintendents and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and it's the bill is coming I've been told the bill is coming and I'm really concerned that conservative republicans would would even be remotely even be considering this yeah you know part of the problem is they get these uh superintendents come crying to them and they say oh we need some help because we're we're getting in trouble if we meet someone in the supermarket and bump in and say hello that's just false by the way that's not the law uh but they create these false narratives as to what the law has and then they say oh, but we've got the fix for you you know it's sort of like remember when the uh, whisk uh, laundry detergent came out and they at the same time invented the problem of ring around the collar and provided the solution <laughs> all at once lucky you lucky you yeah and so <clears throat> these bureaucrats go running to their legislators and create a fictitious problem and propose and a uh, uh, an untruthful solution, uh, and unfortunately, these legislators are overwhelmed and sometimes fall prey uh, to this wrongful information. And that's what it is. It's untruthful information. Well, by doing that, it, to me, it's almost like, okay, at that point, why do we even have the open meeting laws if that's the direction you want to go? Because what it's doing, it's like, it's like they're saying, hey, we want to discuss business where the people can't see it, which is counter to everything the Freedom of Information Act stands for, and we want you guys to put in a law where we can do that. Would you? I, I tell people all the time, Robert, if you want to, if you really want to understand the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act, read the 2519-102, the, the intent. And if these bureaucrats, they don't want to hear that, Right. Right. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, Nobody is going to get in trouble if they run into another member of a governing body in the supermarket and they say hello uh, and they have uh, whatever exchange they want to have. Now, if they know there's a topic that's before the governing body, uh, they should say, well, we're not going to talk about that here because we'll talk about it there. Now, is is that really so tough? to do. Um, And by the way, if they happen to uh, marginally traverse the ground that is the topic uh, before the governing body, they still haven't violated any law. But the general notion that if they know something's on uh, the the in consideration by the governing body, that that's the place to talk about it shouldn't be difficult for them to abide by. And sometimes you hear some legislators say, well, you know, some of these governing body members live in the same household. Say they're married to each other. Okay. Okay. And what? And therefore they must talk about this topic at home, notwithstanding that the debate is supposed to take place in public. You know, they can say, oh, you know, we got this topic coming up. Yeah, I know that. We'll talk about it at the meeting. Is that really so rough? Yeah. See, that just seems like that's a BS excuse for something what are they supposed to do not even talk about that yeah that's right they're supposed to not talk about it they just say we'll talk about it later we're going to be at capitol tomorrow in a meeting we'll talk about it then 
Well, you know, th this notion is rather commonplace for attorneys, right? Because you have attorney-client privilege. And for psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists and doctors, <clears throat> you can't go home. You say, well, you know, my husband or wife comes home. I can't talk to them about their work. Sure you can. But you think your doctor, therapist can tell his or her spouse uh, that Dave Ellswick has these problems? No. They're not allowed to do that. Your confidentiality doesn't go away uh, when the therapist walks across the threshold of the door. And neither does the obligation to discuss public matters in public eviscerate simply because you happen to be married to another member of the governing body. Those are simple requirements to abide by. And if you can't abide by that, then why are you on a governing body? Don't we want at least some minimal level of control over one's own abilities uh, before one is given the power of being on a governing body? This is not a high bar to chin. You know, last night I went to the Conway School Board meeting, and the school board president very unwittingly basically admitted that he and another board member discussed school business on a phone call, and then they gave, called the superintendent and gave him a directive based off that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, what do you not get about the law? What do you got? That's supposed to be done in open public session. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if it was a matter for the governing body, uh, it should be discussed in, the, in, in public, and it should be a decision for the whole governing body, no less. Well, we wouldn't know. FOIA is so important because, you know, here's what they don't like. We wouldn't know what Little Rock Frank, Mary Frank Scott was doing with LitFest and, and Think Rubies. We wouldn't know about his credit card spending. We wouldn't know about what superintendents are actually getting paid. And, and I'm not picking on Cat, but we wouldn't know that the school board was approving him $30,000 bonuses uh, when the public knew nothing about it. That's what. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to enhance these laws, and I think Joey's bill, where we go in and clarify, say, hey, when 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 as little as two people meet, and you're discussing business out of open public session, you can't do that. You know, Jimmy, you raise an interesting point that came up uh, for discussion, and I think it was the, the FOIA task force, but I'm not sure. But in any event, <clears throat> someone said, well. Why wouldn't you make the minimum requirement for a meeting three or four or five people? And my response was, because a meeting is two or more people. Yeah, exactly. This, this is not a banana, right? This is not a make-believe term, uh, a term that we're applying to a make-believe construct. What is the definition? Not under the FOIA. Under your understanding, under the normal understanding of a meeting, well, it's when... If one person's in the woods, he's not having a meeting because there's nobody listening to him. One other person joins him, well, he's got himself a meeting. Mm -hmm. Not a very big one. Hasn't, hasn't, when, hasn't, the AG, hasn't multiple AGs over the years opined to that? Um, the, the they two made people? Opinions about, they made opinions about uh, uh, meetings, but they they have not. And they could be more precise in their discussions. Mm -hmm. But the, the, this is not about law. This is about common sense. If you have two people together, that's a meeting. Now, 
It may not be much of a meeting, but it's a meeting under any definition, not legal, any English definition of the word. That's what a meeting means. So when people like Joey say, well, if you have two or more people uh, discussing business of a governing body, they should restrict that discussion to the public, to being in public. Yep. That's not a controversial notion. I, I agree. Robert, stay where you're at when we come back. Yep. I got one last thing I want to talk to you about, then I'll let you go here on the sure. Dave Ellswick Show. Talking about FOIA, it's under attack. Evidently, there's some bills that are uh, about ready to be sprung on us uh, over at the uh at the legislature and never never fails got to have something pop up that's going to cause all kinds of problems sounds like this might be one of those things and uh, we'll talk about it here on the dave ellswick show don't forget about icu protection they're out ready to help you make sure that your home and your uh, small business is secure and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg you're not going to pay a lot of money for the equipment in fact you'll pay no money for the equipment that will be uh, put on your home uh, to keep it safe, the cameras, the the uh, you know window and door sensors, all of that comes absolutely free to you through ICU protection. And all you have to do is call Billy Mack at 501-205-1333. These are the people who do Nuke One. If they can uh, you know protect a reactor, they can protect your home or your business. 501-205-1333. It's the business at I put the responsibility on of protecting my home. That's ICU protection with Billy Mack. All right, so Robert, here's my uh, an argument that I have. We have people that are on the other side about FOIA that say that we've got to bring it under control, so to speak, because there's people who misuse it. They abuse the, uh, uh, the law. And uh, here's what I say to them to say that I should not be able to FOIA a school board about a, a, a something because somebody uh, FOIA'd them to come up with 500 pages or something or whatever. Bottom line is this. You had that case out in Huntsville. Joey brought this up where you had a superintendent and uh, a high school coach that covered up uh, what very obviously was uh, – some sexual assault charges and things of that nature. Nothing would have ever been found out about that unless the FOIA law had been in place. Why don't we zero in on the people who use it for the right stuff instead of zeroing in for the people who do it the wrong thing? I mean, I, I, you know me well enough. You know that's what I say about uh, gun control. You know, gun control is doing nothing to take care of criminals, but it's doing a whole lot to make a, a lot of us that are law-abiding turn into criminals because of, uh, of what they do with the law. That's the same thing that, it's the same argument with FOIA, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Well, you're exactly right. Part of the problem is <clears throat> that people who, like press even, who used the FOIA successfully, sometimes after a battle to get compliance, uh, they... Um, they don't share that notion because, in the end, albeit with some trepidation, uh, the uh, the entity complies. Uh, and so who complains? Again, you get bureaucrats that go to Arkansas Counties Association uh, or they go to the um, 
municipal league. They say, oh, we, we got a lot of requests. And it's get, wait for it, Dave. It's getting in the way of us doing our jobs. Uh, last time I checked, responding to FOIA requests is part of your job. That's right. Yeah, you know, exactly. People, right? You know, so they like to carve out. Wouldn't it be great if we can have jobs and we just get to do the parts that, <clears throat> that we like and not the parts that we don't like? You think I like grading exams? I haven't met a professor who likes grading exams. Uh, so maybe I could just say, and I can't, right? Maybe I could just say, I'm just not going to do that part of my job because I don't want to. But somehow, and that's wrong, illegitimate, and would never happen. But somehow, bureaucrats, when it comes to the FOIA, seem to make that argument without any shame. And then, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, Robert. I was going to say, you know, your point is well taken. What I've what I've told school board members and in corn court members, city council members, and mayors and everybody is say, look. Okay, and they say, what the manpower we have to use to cost it? And I said, yes, you're mandated to do it, though. So I look at it, I told school board members, like bus transportation, you're mandated to provide bus transportation. So what do you do? You hire a director, you have a transportation department, and you budget for it. Why don't you do the same, apply the same to FOIA? Does that make sense? Well, of course it does. Let me tell you what happened to me recently. <clears throat> I made a FOIA request, ASU. Uh, has a contract with a private company from three boosters uh, that the private company uh, takes all the profits from selling alcohol at all of their sports venues. And then they give it over to the foundation. Well, first of all, they skim off over half of it. uh, And then they give what remains over to the foundation. Presumably the foundation skims off expenses. The first one skims off over half in expenses. Then they give it over to a foundation, another private entity. Presumably they skim something off in expenses. And the remainder is supposed to go to pay coaches and stuff like that. Uh, And so I made a FOIA request because they gave me this spreadsheet that said that this private entity over the last eight years made uh, roughly three-quarters of a million dollars uh, in net uh, uh, after taxes. So I characterized that as profit because, indeed, in the textbook that I teach from, it says net means after expenses and gross means before expenses. So then they complained. uh, Just recently in the Dem Gaz, they wrote a column. They said, well, that's uh, that's not what we meant. Uh, they have all sorts of other expenses. So, and I had already asked them, hey, can you give me the expenses of that private company that you contracted with? By the way, the private company pays ASU $10 a year. $10 a year, and they keep everything from the sales. Um, and so I said, well, what were their operating expenses? They said, well, we don't have those records. Uh, okay. Then I wrote about the fact that this deal had taken place and they wrote uh, and then they uh, um in writing their responsive column they also went to this private entity and said uh we want to give steinbuck those operating expenses can you give them to us sure enough they gave it to them my point of this whole story is to say isn't it funny how when they didn't want to share the records with me they said we don't have them that's a private entity when i exposed what they were doing in the newspaper all of a sudden they were able to get those records. The problem is Joe Sixpack doesn't have a column in the Democrat Gazette like Rob Steinbuck does. So Joe Sixpack can't get access to those records the way Robert Steinbuck can. And yet what do these uh, bureaucrats want to do? They want to restrict access to government records, not amplify access to government records. 
All right. Robert, I'll have you over at the Capitol sometime this week. We're going to talk about this even more. We're not going to let this. Uh, we're not going to let them get the the high ground and push their narrative. No. I'm going to. I'm going to get the narrative out there that people need to hear. The fight's on. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining Take us care. today on Bye-bye. Dave Ellswick's show. Don't forget, we've got the Secretary of Education in Arkansas coming up after the news, and we'll be talking to Secretary Oliva here on the Dave Ellswick show. All right, let's get to the final hour. I've been waiting for this hour. I got to be honest with you. The uh, new Secretary of Arkansas Education is with us today, Jacob Oliva. And, uh, Mr. Oliva, thanks for joining us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. I really appreciate your time. I guess the first question is, what's the first thing that struck you about Arkansas when you moved here? Well, good morning, Dave. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. And and uh, I'm fairly new to the state, and it, it's been a been a fast and furious past couple of weeks but I, I think what really impressed me the most is just the quality of people i've been able to meet and interact with every day uh helping me throughout this transition it's been a wonderful experience well on this show and on uh my show over time uh, you know we've we've talked about uh choice and education we've talked about blowing it open and really getting some great uh choice for our students here uh in 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 the uh in the state, I had on a state legislator back in 2010. His name is Bruce Westerman. He's now a congressman from Arkansas. And he came to me and says, Dave, i got to come on your show. i got to talk about something. I said, what do you want to talk about? He says, look, we got to get around the Lakeview case. And you've probably done your, your reading of the history of education here in the state. And he says, I want the money that the state pays for the students to follow the students. And he was called every name under the sun but his real name. I mean, he was really lambasted terribly during that time. And now here we are in uh, 2023, and we're actually talking about the kids again instead of the, you know, the the education uh, establishment and talking about the money following the children. I'm excited. You've already fought this battle one time with Governor DeSantis. I'm glad you've come to the the state of Arkansas to fight uh, with uh, Governor Sanders now. Well, so thank you. And, and Dave, you hit the nail on the head. This is a conversation about students and making sure that we are meeting each and every single child's needs. We need to be honest. A one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work for every student and family. And when we can provide flexibility and opportunities to to have a seat at the the dining room table and map out each child's path in in future and tailor to their needs, then everybody wins. And uh, Governor Sanders has been very clear and and ran on saying we're going to improve the quality of education here in the state of Arkansas. And I'm I'm excited to be a a part of the team that rolling up the sleeves, rolling up our sleeves and hit ground running to make sure we do that and and deliver on that promise. One of my biggest uh, heroes is president reagan and president reagan used to say that the reason that he made great decisions is because he surrounded himself with great people it sounds to me that that's exactly what uh, the governor is doing and bringing you in is just as far as i'm concerned is just another indication that she is surrounding herself with people who have answers to some of the problems that are facing our our state when you hear that we wanted to move to 
you know, uh, this new movement of the money following the students. Uh, You all have already done that over in Florida or had done that in Florida. You come here to Arkansas. What's the first thing that needs to be understood by the legislature? Well, I I think first and foremost that, that the initiative that we're putting forward is really about improving the public schools right there in each and every single neighborhood. And, and I can tell you, I'm a product of public schools. I've worked in public education for well over 20 years. My children attend public schools. Uh, improving teaching and learning, recruiting and retaining high-quality teachers, investing in quality principals is, is still a number one priority of what we're going to focus on here in the state. But the reality is, is that a zip code shouldn't determine the only options for a child. And if and if a family needs to pursue other opportunities, whether it's through virtual learning or, or a charter school or even attending a, a private school that best meets the needs of their family, then we need to be able to provide that flexibility. And this is really about empowering parents. Yeah, that and that's important because I heard that there was a meeting uh, as as this was being discussed, and somebody brought up, well, the superintendents are going to like this, and somebody put their hands up. I don't know who it was. I just know that they put their hands up and said, who said superintendent? We're talking about students here. That's right. And and, and I can tell you historically when when parents have options, it makes all the schools better. And And I keep hearing from people, that this is designed to ruin public education. This is to improve public education. We want the public school to be the first and best choice. And if a superintendent or, or a school district's worried that there's gonna be a mass exodus out of their school because parents are looking for other options, then they need to take a look at the mirror and find out why that's happening and start having some honest conversations about what is the quality of education that we're delivering. Because if we're not the first choice for our local families and the best option, then we need to find ways to make ourselves better. All right. So what's uh, what's the first move on this, Secretary? I mean, we've heard that you've got the bill written. We've heard that it's been kind of vetted by the all of the, the lawyers and whatnot that have to go over it to make sure. Because it touches everything. You know, what, what should the, what should the legislature be prepared for now? So, great question. This is a a comprehensive package that focuses on everything from early learning to career readiness, career and college readiness. And um, when when you look at kind of the scope of how many components that are within within this reform initiative, uh, there's a lot of different pieces, a lot of moving parts. So uh, you're correct that, uh, that that the initial drafting is done. We're, we're going through that legislative process. The the bill sponsors are working with their legislative delegation to improve on that language and get it right. I'm fairly optimistic that we'll we'll see the the final bill form being uh, uh, that final form that's drafted being filed and uh, noticed here in the next couple weeks so that we can start moving it forward and, and just like anything when you're when you're dealing with major language change and, and budget change and priorities there is a system of checks and balances that that needs to happen and, and sometimes that process moves slower than than we like but at the end of the day we want to get this across the finish line in a, in a, in a final final package hey secretary it's jimmy cabin um got a question use an example north rock school district 75.9% of the students there are not reading at grade level. 
to the blue-collar moms and dads that both are working and are stuck in that system, can you kind of give an idea to them what the proposed education freedom accounts in in simple terms would mean to them? I know that's what uh, you guys envision. What's your vision for those parents and make it easy for them to understand how it would help them? So uh, first, when, when I look at the LEARNS acronym that we've, we've heard Governor Sanders roll out. That that first L stands for literacy, and, and this package focuses a lot on giving teachers and even parents support with early learning and building those foundational skills around literacy. It even includes opportunities for, for families to qualify for up to $500 to get tutoring services for their children uh, above and beyond the school day. So we're, it really doubles down with with getting that early learning right to, to move the needle on that metric. But what the Freedom Account uh, really leads to is, is it's an option for, for families. No, nobody's going to require parents to do this, and nobody's going to require private schools to participate in this. But if, if there is a local private school that can meet the need of the family, uh, especially if it's around literacy or numeracy or, or they, they have a better academic program that meets what, what they feel is best for their child, this would establish an education freedom account where the dollars um, that would have gone to the school district for the student's learning would be a direct payment to the private school instead so that that child can get the, the appropriate academic services that they need. All right. It's something that I've noticed in, in reporting, and I, and I call it a dog whistle. I know the right or the left uses that all the time, but I'm going to say that there's some people on the left right now in the news media that are using it. As they're, they're, they're throwing out the term voucher all the time, Mr. Secretary, and it's, it's driving me crazy. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they call it education vouchers. These are education freedom accounts. They differ from, quote, vouchers. Do they not? I, I agree. I, we don't use that term voucher. This is, this is, uh, is, a, is a freedom account that's going to be regulated. And, and there's still going to be some controls for, for the private schools of uh, requirements that they have to meet to, to, to be eligible to receive students that are participating in this program as far as accountability. We, we want to make sure that there are no bad actors in there abusing this system. So we, we're, we're going to hold folks accountable, pa- parents accountable, private schools accountable. And we're going to make sure that we're able to monitor student learning and performance as well. So. Um, This is about empowering parents, and this is about creating opportunities for students to be successful in life. All right. If you just joined us, we're speaking with the uh, Secretary of Education for Arkansas. That is uh, Jacob Oliva. Uh, He came from Florida. He's fought a lot of the fights that we're going to fight over the next few weeks dealing with uh, the changes. And and I don't know how big of a fight it's going to be, to be honest. I believe that most Republicans are on board with this whole LEARN program uh, that uh, the governor is bringing forth uh, for the state. Here's what I do know. We cannot continue to do the same things and spending 61 cents of every dollar in this state for an education uh, process that has proven itself year after year after year after year of not working. you got to do something different. We're going to do something different. It's not going to roll out in one year. From what I understand, this is going to be a, like a three-year rollout. Is that correct, Mr. Secretary? So I, 
I would say there's some things that we're going to see happen immediately within the next kind of we call it the fiscal year, the 23-24 the calendar year. We're, we're going to see some um, very quick wins, but there are there are things that are going to take time when you're when you're looking at changing a progression and, and how you do a way of work and what it is that we're teaching students and measuring whether or not they're learning what we expect them to learn and getting those literacy rates up, there, there's an investment that's going to happen in, in supporting students and families that, that, that'll take time till we see those, those gains start to happen. I'm confident that this initiative is the right initiative and we're going to see improvement uh, throughout the state. Now, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really, really excited about this, uh, Mr. Oliva. This is, this is, this is like my greatest dream. I've been uh, I've been fighting this since I got here in Arkansas back in in 2000. We've been pushing uh, the belief that if you if you had a school system that the parents had uh, an ability to get out there and, and really make some choices, that we'd see some real jumps in in education in the state. The Supreme Court has helped us some with the. Uh, decision that they made up in Maine saying that if you pay X amount of dollars to a public school, you got to do the same thing to a, par- a private school if the students are using that money. I mean, there's there's a it's it's been amazing to me over the last five years the whirlwind of change that has happened in education. Has it has it been kind of crazy for you? Because I can tell by listening to you talk that this is something that you've thought through for a long time. Well, I have, and and I'm passionate about this work. I've I've spent over two decades of my life improving learning for all students, and and most of my career was primarily focused on some of our most vulnerable students, students that were struggling with learning disabilities, making sure that we can have an expectation that they can learn and succeed in life. I am of the belief there's no greater investment that we can make than in our education system but to your point, when we make this investment, are we seeing the return on that investment mm-hmm. or the outcomes that would we expect? I think this is where we have a lot of opportunity. We're going to continue to invest in what I call a common sense approach, a back to basics focus on teaching and learning. And we're going to see uh, over time some, some great increases in, in that return on investment. How do we fight the, uh, the powers that be that don't see uh, going to school as reading, writing, arithmetic, and the important things that you got to know uh, to make your way in this world and instead want to do uh, social justice and everything else. So uh, my, my response to that is pretty simple. Is right now our kids can't read and do math. When we can figure that out, you want to talk about bringing other things in a classroom, we'll look at that then. But we are going to focus on those foundational skills that we know set students up for their, their individual path to be successful in post-secondary op- attainment opportunities, uh, wh- whether they're going to, to the workforce, to the military. There is a foundation around literacy and numeracy that every student needs to have in order to be successful in life. All right, I'm going to pass it over to Jimmy. He's got a couple more questions, and we'll let you go. Go ahead, Jimmy. Yeah, just just a couple, Secretary. One thing you had mentioned is, is are you concerned that if we we say, hey, private schools, or give parents money to go to private schools, if we put too much stipulations on private schools to get that money, are you concerned that those private schools will actually want to expand to take on these new students? 
Well, I, th- those are decisions that the private schools are going to have to make. And we're not giving dollars to parents. I want to be pretty clear about that. We'd be redirecting payments instead of going to a, di- a school district to that private school. Uh, there is going to have to be a system of checks and balances that's not overburdensome that a private school be like, this is too much red tape and bureaucracy. In fact, we, we're going, our, our, our governor signed an executive order asking us to look at ways to reduce red tape and bureaucracy. So we're, we're not going into it with that lens. But ultimately, that private school is going to have to decide whether or not uh, this is a good program, a good fit for them. We, we've seen a little bit of this already happening in the state through the Succeeds Scholarship Program, and, we, and we've got quite a few private schools that, that have signed on board to participate, and I, and I think uh, as we look at expanding scholarship opportunities and freedom accounts, we'll, we'll see more and more um, of, of schools saying, like, this is going to be, this would be good for us. This would be a good fit. We can help support more students. And also, we have a... T- People don't realize just how many students are on individual education plans and our special education needs and all, all kids with autism. As far as this, uh, the LEARNS program and especially as far as the education freedom accounts go in the tax dollars, what can those parents look for in, in seeing help for their children? So the special education kind of realm is something that I hold near and dear to my heart. I went to school to become a special education teacher and, and uh, work through work with parents in developing what, what is referred to as an IEP, an individualized education plan. Those parents, and, and when they're having those meetings with, with, uh, with teachers and leaders and, and school counselors, need to weigh out all those options. And, and this would provide an additional opportunity for uh, families with students of special needs to have a path that that wasn't open before and um, I, I've seen other states and even in private schools and you mentioned uh, students with autism where where there's private schools that have opened up that focus solely on supporting students with autism and have great great success so what, what, what that would be just a wonderful opportunity for families to consider when when looking at their their educational options. Well, Mr. Olivo, I want to thank you very much for giving us the time today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He is the Secretary of uh, Education here in the state of Arkansas, Jacob Oliva. Uh, I hope that we'll run into each other over to the Capitol when I'm broadcasting live during the session. Uh, Know that I have a mic for you at any time you would like to join us, sir. Oh, that would be great, and I, I look forward to that opportunity. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for your time again, and thanks to your communication staff for setting this up. All right. That's going to wrap it up with our interview with the uh, the new uh, Secretary of Education here in Arkansas. Great, great interview. And t- tell you what, it really, really excites me. He, he, he's not dodging anything. All right. So we gotta we got to go and uh, get back now. To Dave Ellswick show, let you know that Hillcrest Designer Jewelry is out to help you out. Uh, they will help you to, uh, to develop uh, pieces of jewelry you want specifically for somebody. They got all the display cases full of, uh, of creations for you to look at. They can take care of your estate jewelry, repairs, your cleaning, your full service uh, jeweler. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh, Suite E. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 till 6. Okay, back with you. We've got just a couple of minutes here. Going to get into the break at the bottom of the hour, and then we'll finish it up for 
uh, today. I mentioned this uh, earlier, mentioned it one more time. When it comes to asteroids and earthlings, you know, I want to talk about meteor because we had a meteor go real close here to the earth just the other night. And the people down in Saline County evidently got a pretty good look at yeah. it as it went over. It lit up the sky pretty good. Uh, that it's all about near misses. The last thing you want is a big old piece of rock to hit the earth. You just really don't. don't want that to happen. <laughs> uh, last night, a, a hunk of rock about half a mile wide, and it's known as 199-145 or 2005-YY-128. Nice name. Uh, will make uh, made its closest pass near Earth in more than 400 years. And I don't know about you, but I didn't stay up all night worrying about that rock's going to hit us. It was going to pass us uh, by a long shot. And uh, I'm glad it didn't keep you up because it didn't keep me up. And, no, I didn't uh, even know about it, just kind of like Joe Biden didn't know about the balloons. Yep, yeah, that's kind of true. So. Uh, you're right about that. That's exactly the same way. You are, you're talking about unidentified aerial phenomena. Well, we can't call Not them UFOs. UFOs, right? Yeah, we've been told don't call them UFOs. It just confuses people because then you might say, well, what about aliens? And then they don't know if you're talking about extra, extraterrestrials or you're talking about people coming across the southern border. Well, didn't the guy say we can't rule that out, that he's not ruling anything That's exactly out? what the Air Force general said. <laughs> we haven't ruled anything out. And in a, in a situation like that, that you don't know what you're – what it is that you're dealing with, you don't rule anything out, no matter how crazy. Why do people think say. they need? Why do think God? Why do people think God has limitations? I have no idea. We'll take is a break. It, yeah. We've got to take a break, and Jimmy and I will finish up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So stay tuned for more. All right, let's. Uh, and again, my thanks to uh, the Secretary of Education of Arkansas, uh, Jacob Oliva, for joining us here on the show and, and talking about the Learn program. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be on my show uh, several more times because uh, this is going to be a, a huge issue in the in the le- state legislature. What what I liked about what I liked about him right off the bat is we asked him some pretty not easy tough questions now, and he did not dodge away from him a bit yeah he didn't back back he didn't hesitate i agree on answer i agree and uh the only question i didn't ask him that i thought and i ran out of time was that i was going to ask him very simply could he talk about some of the the problems that they ran into in florida and and how did they overcome those problems right i would like yeah i'd like to like to have heard uh, those types of stories. And, well, you're going to get about back the on successes. Bunch, yeah, so. I'd like to hear about the successes. Yeah. All right, out in Conway, this is a uh, this was a story in the uh, local section of the paper today. Uh, Jimmy was at the meeting last night out in Conway uh, for the public schools. Superintendent Jeff Cullum and board members issued a series of apologies to community members in the monthly board meeting after a decision to prohibit. Conway High School's basketball coaching staff from wearing shirts that read Celebrate Black History. The decision by Column uh, to prohibit wearing the shirts was issued after the coaches wore the T-shirts at a basketball game on February 7th. Complaints and concerns from the community followed the uh, Column decision. I started on this as soon as it happened. I dug in. Uh, because it immediately went to race. So I'm going to tell everybody what happened. At the basketball February 7th, the school board member, Dr. David Naylor, was there. 
uh, he had noticed that the coaches were wearing a T-shirt, not their normal coaching attire, that said Celebrate Black History, and it had the Wampus Cat logo on it. But the shirt was black. The colors of the letters were uh, red, yellow, and green, and the, and the Wampus Cat logo was red, yellow, and green. After the game, he was approached by a, a constituent, a patron of the district, and said, hey, I've, you know, I've never seen shirts like that wore by coaches. David agreed. Uh, because of the, because David had never seen coaches do that, I have not either. You know, he also had issues uh, or concerns about the logo because it's trademarked and copyrighted, and there's certain ways you can only portray it. So he, uh, the reality of the situation is, he inquired with the superintendent, and he inquired uh, inquired with the board president Andre Acklin. Uh, David and Andre had a conversation, and uh, it was decided basically among them and by the president that they would shut this down until they could take a look at it. So they gave a directive uh, to Superintendent Jeff Cullum to say, put a pause on this until we can look at it. It was not about black history. It was about uh, mostly about the the copyright of the uh, and trademark of the Wampus Cat logo, and it was about the you know hey do we or we do we want coaches what the attire they're going to wear at games? It didn't have anything to do with Black History Month. Well, immediately it got turned into a racial issue. And you know I can kind of understand this for the simple reason: yeah. look, does anybody complain when they wear? And this even came up in the story. When they're wearing, you know, uh, uh, pink jerseys for breast cancer awareness. Yeah, and the perception, and, and I do get If you talk to uh, uh, members of the community and uh, Miss Leona Walden, who I hope to get for us to get on a show for her uh, Black History Museum that she runs in Conway, you know, she had a lot of concerns with it. And I get that because, and so perception-wise, it just wasn't good, but it really didn't have anything to do with race. Okay, so there was a bigger uproar, and I get it, but the problem was that there was such backlash that, oh, my God, there's there's not a name they didn't call Jeff Colton. He's a white supremacist. He's a racist, a Ku Klux Klan member, the whole nine yards. And they realized they met, they met with the coaching staff and said, okay, go back to wearing the shirts. And they didn't realize what a concern it was going to cause. And they fumbled, and they admitted that last night. But I'll go back and say the problem started with the basketball coach, Ashley Hutchcraft, who's a very good basketball coach, a top-notch basketball coach, because they didn't go to the AD and, and ask the AD, Clint Ashcraft, if they could wear the if shirts. If they could wear the shirts. Because all the coaches at any school has what is known as proper attire. Yeah. And so, and the dress code policy, policy is about as vague as you get. But the bottom line is, they fumbled. They made a mistake. So at the board meeting last night, and I'm, I'm writing an article on it. I've, I've already done a show on it. Uh, at the board meeting last night, David Naylor took responsibility for it. Jeff Collum took responsibility for it. David Naylor apologized to the community. Jeff Collum apologized to the community. Looked like the whole board did. Hagus and everybody. And uh, but, but the problem is, is Andre Acklin ran for cover. 
because we had a lot of speakers last night, a lot of a lot of African Americans. Miss Leona spoke, and she did a great job. I spoke, and you know, I talked about this is not racism, and we've got to stop immediately going there. And but the problem is, is Andre Ackland, the board president, he basically threw the rest of the board under the bus, and threw David Naylor under the bus, and threw the superintendent under the bus. Why? What and, did he say? Well, it's what he didn't say. He ran for cover because the reality is, and he even admitted it last night in the meeting, which goes back to I said they violated open meeting law. He admitted at the meeting that he had a conversation about David Naylor with it, and he said, "Hey, we need to shut it down." And but when it came shut what time? Then you just shut, shut the shirt down. Okay. And so when it came to his time to talk, he pretty much threw the rest of them on the bus. And he told me, he said, "I never gave that directive, Mr. Kevin." Well, I hate to tell you, Mr. Acklin, you did. But he looked at me in the crowd and said, "Mr. Kevin, I never gave that directive." And in I thought, well, yeah, you did. But here's the problem. He looked at Jeff Cullum and said, did I give you a directive? Did I give you a directive? And Cullum looked at him with a deer in the headlights look and didn't answer a question, but he just stared at him like, I can't believe you're asking me this question. Right, right, right. And he put it back. So the the reality is this. They got out over their skis. They made a poor decision. All of them but Ackland admitted it and apologized. I think the community was fine with that apology. Uh, I'm very disappointed in how Ackland acted because he took it back to the bathroom policy. The very policies he voted on, he basically said that he didn't want to do any of that, that the board wanted to do it, but he didn't want to do it. And so I was very disappointed. Well, then maybe with they needed a board president. Yeah, and, and the, but I, I got back up and say, look, I get how Miss Leona and some of these people felt. Well, I understand what they're saying. I mean, yeah. if there's no problem with having – pink jerseys for breast cancer there should not be any problem with uh, those uh, athletes or the coaches wearing a shirt that says remember black history i still go back to or the, celebrate black history yeah and it still go back to and ashley hutchcraft is a fabulous coach her father was a fabulous coach okay she's not a bad person she just made a mistake you go to the ad and the ad goes superintendent you get approval because the trademark their 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 Wampus Cat is copyrighted in uh, in trademarks, so you can't alter it because then you're breaking laws. Yeah. And, it, and the policy is that all of them have is look the logo has to be one you got to give approval for anybody to use it. The t-shirt company didn't get that approval, and they altered the image. And not good. No, and that's where a lot of it comes. In. But it had nothing nothing to do with race. Was it a mistake? Yes. Was it racially motivated? No. Yeah, there's members of the school board didn't even know this was happening. Yeah, basically that's right. The only ones that really knew about it when it happened were David Naylor, Board President Andre Acklin, and Jeff Collum. As far as I know, no other board member was involved in that decision uh, in, in until after the decision was made and it blew up. That's how the rest of them found out. All right. So anyway, we wanted to touch base with that. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about the two mil increase for the library system over in North Little Rock. Congratulations to the voters. To First of all, that 1,400 of you turned up to vote uh, about this and that you turned it away because this is why I want to see special elections done away with. All right, we'll talk about that when we come back 
here on the Dave Ellswick Show. East End Towing, don't forget about what's going on with them. They're ready to help you. They've got all the equipment they need to move you off of the side of the highway, get you off safely, get your car off safely, get it where you need it to go, get it worked on at the, the place that you want it to be worked on, and so that you don't have to worry about it, anything. No matter the situation, East End Towing can handle it, and they've got the answers for you. All you have to do, call East End Towing, 501-888-8849. You call them, have them come out, and when the police say, you know, we'll call a tow truck. You say, no, that's unnecessary. I've already called a tow truck. Take care of my car. 501-888-8849. That is East End Towing. Okay, let's finish it up. Yesterday, uh, I got to give credit uh, where credit is due to the folks uh, over in uh, North Little Rock uh, because they decided uh, in a special election which, to be honest, I try to keep up on that stuff, and I didn't even know they were having a special election dealing with this. Anyway, there was a vote, a millage vote, uh, for a couple of extra millage uh, on this stuff about uh, what they were going to do as far as uh, the libraries went. They wanted to add two mills to property taxes. Property taxes are already too high. In North Little Rock, North because Little the school Rock. district, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they already... Uh, you had a problem uh, with that uh, as far as uh, a few years back. I don't know. It may have been six, seven, eight, nine years back yeah. I, now that I think about it. Uh, you raised the millage rate uh, enormously to build and, and to uh, you know, renovate North Little Rock High School. The only thing that you forgot to do was uh, – and I'm – to make sure that uh, the education was That's as right. good as the buildings were. North Lorac North uh, has the, has the high the third highest millage uh, rate for schools in the state. In the state, so yes, the North Lorac residents have an extremely high uh, property tax. Yeah, so you know, and and you're not getting you're not getting much ROI out of that. No. Okay, return on investment. See that. We heard that from the Secretary of Education in Arkansas, Jacob uh, Oliva. He didn't say ROI, but he said what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of, you know, result right. will we get from what we're doing? Does it take a little bit of time? But he, he's sure that the result's going to be good. Yeah, and, and on this on this deal you're talking about, you told me the numbers a minute ago, which didn't shock me, which should be shocking everybody, but it's just the norm. How many people actually voted in this? Uh, 1,444. Wow. 1,444. <laughs> That's in, in all of North Little Rock. Because it was a special election. Yeah. Now, this is something that I've spoken on many a time. Uh, you know, we've had people that have been out there uh, fighting against special elections. We started, I think, uh, you know, before even uh, my uh, – insurance man who uh who took care of uh of, of fighting against special elections and uh, that was uh of course i'm looking at uh gosh alan kerr thank you i had to think a little bit <laughs> alan kerr and uh, he almost got it done and and it got killed in committee uh the last opportunity he had now david ray is out trying to get it taken care we of we gotta get rid of it special elections i mean if if, if you if you, and you know we see that we see it in runoffs too. 
to be fair to the people, most most politicians and mayors want to put uh, special elections in like that because in the past it's it's been a way to get their agenda done, and because they really organized to get that people they out to support that particular agenda. But the the numbers are just not there, right, Dave? I mean, they're just not there. No. We no. got we got to start saving things for general elections. That's the reason we have them. Right? That's where I want them to do it because yeah. if you have a special election, they typically have the election at a time that is most inconvenient for you. Usually, the polls are open only when you're at work, and last but not least, they don't very seldom go out of their way to tell you about it. They, in fact. They go out of their way not to tell you about it. Well, they tell who they want to know about it. Yeah, so the people they that get, they know yeah. will vote for whatever yeah. it is. Tra- I mean, we, you and I have talked about this, that, that big raise in taxes uh, that have, that's happened out there in Cabot. Yeah. That was like, uh, I think R.D. told me it was only 2% of the voters. Right. I want you to think about that, 2% yeah. of the voters, because they went out of their way not to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, case in point, you tell me, when did you realize that this was even happening? Today? Yeah. So, when know. I saw the the saw the result, I mean, I, yeah. it was sent to me, and I went, okay, and that's wild. <laughs> I didn't even know that they were having this happening today. So, uh, hopefully, in the future, it'll be on the regular ballot. I hope so, because we're having, the reality is we're having trouble even come out for general elections. I mean, the numbers came out, and 50% of the registered voters in the state did not vote in the last general election. Okay, we we can all, we can look right at the Little Rock mayor's race of of the, how few people that were registered to vote in Little Rock even voted in the mayor's race. And... What we've got to get back to as a society is letting the people or, or people actually getting to the ballot, getting to the ballot box. And since we can't even get 50 percent to the ballot box on general election day, why do we think we're going to get hardly anybody out on special elections? And I'm going to admit that this is about the public library. And I've spoken about this before on the air. And a lot of people disagree with me, and that's fine. I mean, this is why we have this show to discuss things like this. I just wonder how many people really use the public library. How many people go to the public library uh, with with Kindles and everything else that we have now, and la- you know, laptops and, and what whatever? Couldn't wouldn't it be better to embrace the technology of today? And not to have brick-and-mortar libraries. And I hear people say, but Dave, I love the smell of books. Hey, guess what? Okay, if that's the case, I'm going to suggest go buy yourself a book. Yeah. Okay, I don't have any problem if, if that's the way you feel. But you don't saddle everybody in a city or a county or a, a state or a union to pay for things that can be done much more cost-effectively. Well, and... and in the the library in North Little Rock is a nice library, okay? But it's not <clears> – what a lot of this funding goes to is not towards the, even the books. And you and I talked about it. How many people actually go to the library, city library, to check out a book or do like that? 
but they also have functions there, uh, you know, weddings, uh, meetings, things like that, because they've got other areas that are not library-oriented, but but uh, meeting areas and stuff like that. And Is that why a public library exists? No, that's where Thank I'm going you. with it. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's, that's exactly where I was going with it. You're getting into other areas that is not your area. That's right. I, and, uh, and I know that, you know, this... This is the kind of stuff that really ticks a lot of people off is when I get on, you know, technology and things of that nature. And we need to do – look, I don't want to pay extra money to keep a, a buggy whip maker open. No. we. You and I talked at the break. I said, you know, there are people today <clears throat> that are with – that are avid about they would much rather have a rotary dial phone and most people don't even know what i'm talking about yeah be cool to have one of those things on your wall you know yeah. for decorative purposes but i'm sorry you're never going to have a rotary dial phone again and that's just the way it is in the way it is the way things are you don't look at blockbuster i'll use blockbuster as an example to apply to libraries well, right you know for people that are under 25 <laughs> what's a blockbuster? yeah it's video t- <laughs> video tell you remember that <laughs> And they were booming. Then it's DVDs and everything, boom. And now that DVDs are going down because you can live stream everything. Now you got streaming. You yeah. don't need Blockbuster. Yeah. I mean, that's just the, a, that is just the way it is. I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to drop DirecTV. You want to know why? Because I had DirecTV, basically, for sports-related programming. Well, now <laughs> it's getting to the point where if I want to pay a couple dollars a month, I can have ESPN Plus or whatever. I also can have next year, I can have YouTube, and that's where uh, uh, they're going to have all the football games at. Yeah. It's going to be on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is just and – and the other thing is, look, I'll give you an example. And I do kind of miss it, but when I grew up on a farm down in Lone Oak County, we were on a party line. And nobody – a lot of people don't even know that. Our ring was two longs and a short. Okay. And we shared it with other families, uh, you know, in the community. Okay. And – why Why we say, boy, I wish we could go back to party lines. Life was so much simpler. I get that, but at the same time, we're not going back to party lines. We don't no, even. not going to happen. Ma Bell is done. We don't have the landlines like we used to, right? I mean, everything is I don't even way. have a landline That's, I don't have one. I don't have one. I got rid of it as soon as I could, as soon as I moved out to Cabot, and I found out for me to call back to Pulaski County because I was in Lono County. It was going to cost me an extra $70 yeah. a month. And I said, ah, oh, that ain't going to happen anymore. Yeah. So I got a cell phone and was done with it. Yeah. All right. We're out of time, Jimmy. That's a shame. This has been fun. It's always a good time. Yeah. Always is. Okay. Tomorrow back at the Capitol on a Thursday. Be sure to join me starting at 7 o'clock. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.